Daniel Bradshaw. How's it going? The podcast we thought wasn't going to happen. Probably shouldn't have happened. Yeah, true. to be honest, we don't, uh, people don't need it. People don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> we missed the last one. We went to do this a couple of weeks ago, but Josh was sick. Oh, well, it was food poisoning. How intense the food poisoning? It was a weird one. Um, woke up at like 12, I think, at night and then just had this smashing headache, then vomited violently from like 12.30 to 3.30. And then managed to get some sleep, woke up at six and just felt like a train wreck. It was just a terrible evening. Usually people are lying when they say that. I know. Poisoning. Yep. yep. It's like, I want to do something else. I wish I'd sent you a photo of the toilet bowl post. So that, that would have been the proof that we required. Exactly. It wasn't too bad anyway, because we were like rushed at the time. And now we got fuck all to do because everything's cancelled for New Year's. Yeah. yeah but it's, like a, it's like not a lockdown because you can still, like I went out for dinner last night and no one had masks on and then... It's weird. It's like some people take it seriously, some people don't. From my understanding of it, they have like a mandate now. So they're like, you can't have events, mm. but they're not obviously locking people in their homes. Yeah. So all of the events companies don't get any money from the government. This was my understanding of it. Like if Perth went into lockdown over New Year's, then the government would pay yeah, yeah, people yeah. like a loss of, yep, loss of income thing. But now because they're just going, no, the events can't take place. There's literally nothing they can do. Fuck. And there's no recourse with the government. It's fairly wide reaching as well because there's a lot of like vocations that are impacted. You know, it's the performers, it's the mm. people putting up stages and shit that miss out as well, which kind of sucks, but. It's the graphic designers, man. That's- <laughs> <laughs> how, does, how does payment work then? To say like, what about all these people who set up stuff? Do they get paid? Do yeah, so generally like, generally, for the most part, people will be paid a deposit at least. Yeah. So it's the organisers who lose out the most then. Yeah. Paying everyone. Yeah. And there's, I don't think there's insurance. It's dis- it's disappointing because it's just a weird time now where it's like everything's good mm. and then they can just go, you're not allowed to do that now. Yeah. And no one's going to fucking help you. But then you even look at like, for even for us, when we had the Boxing Day sale. It's like if you walk past outside, there's a congregation of... 100 people in a very small square meterage all on top of each other like why is that allowed to happen but then you can't go to a bar without standing up some of the rules and restrictions are slightly strange i mean you know the vigorous exercise wouldn't you be breathing really hard and like projecting shit out but again this narrative has been questioned since day one no one really knows the answer yeah the one that interests me um and i mean you see a lot of this outrage and shit Uh, especially around the promotion side of things for New Year's parties, but this general sort of vibe of outrage. When do you reckon our tolerance for like being put out or inconvenienced has begun? Because I feel it's like an exponential rise. Like people Mm. used to be able to tolerate some some inconvenience. And I think once everything's becoming so easy and so free to get a hold of, we now just cannot tolerate the slightest fucking bump in our in our lifestyle. And you look at our, maybe not so much our parents, I think they got a pretty cruisy run, but our grandparents really struggled. I can't imagine any of them kicking up a stink if they were put through this kind of length there of was, shit. There was more definition of the people in charge and the people under. It was very clear hierarchy. Yeah, exactly. So you'd go to war and there was conscription. If you disagreed, then you went to jail. You know, people were marching and there was all that sort of stuff. But it seems now because we're living through stuff, it's like you need to do this and there's a million platforms for everyone to complain about these things. Yeah, it's a very different world. There's definitely a personality trait to all of our leaders now. So we're not just looking at people as being this omnipotent like beacon of power. They're now actually trying to be every man and then also rule. Mm. But the funniest thing with this is that you realize that they're just people in the very last moments they just go in a room 
and there's like five people and they're like, fuck. That's what happens. So what can stay open? And it's like, you know, gyms can't, but hairdressers can and... Yeah, I feel you. And I mean, how hard must that job be? I had a little panic attack last night lying in bed thinking about like what the contact tracers have to do and like how many people I could potentially infect just mm. going about my normal day. And when you think about that, you're like, fuck, that's like 500 people probably in, in a broader, you know, three, four, you know, circle rings that you could fucking knock over in like a day without an issue. I'm not surprised you're seeing 12,000 uh, 12, people or something over in New South Wales today. I know. Shit's fucking wild, eh? It is, man. It's fucking crazy. It just feels like that shit just doesn't spread here. I don't know if it's too hot or something. Because every time someone comes here and it's like, this person got in and they were infected. Like, they literally go everywhere. And then it's just like, nah, his girlfriend didn't even get it. You know what it tells me, though, is that public transport is still too cheap. Because if a French backpacker can get as far as Fremantle (laughs) and back multiple times, fuck that shit. Jack the prices. Were you worried you were going to get... Because obviously Boxing Day is the biggest footprint you guys have, right? Yeah, it's, so, a, it's a cool day. It's like it just looks cool because there's lots of, lots of kids and it gives them a cool experience and whatnot. The rules of the whole time have been such a grey area with retail. It's like obviously if we've got a warehouse where stuff runs. So when retail closed, there was nothing on warehouses and factories. So I was sort of like, oh, can we stay open? Can we not? Australia Post is still coming for pickups like normal. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we can't. And then I asked someone who was in local politics and she had no clue, like at all. They, they, she gave me an answer by the end of the lockdown, like, oh, you maybe shouldn't open. And I was like, well, it's too late now. Mm. Uh, and then so for Boxing Day, I was like, well, there's been, again, it's the same thing. We so, just go, what, go ahead as if we're going to. Yeah. And I mean, it's like anything with marketing. Once you start something, you don't just stop yeah. for no reason. Just because there's a bit of uncertainty, I'm not going to go, oh, I got to keep, I got to be safe. There's one case and there's the chance it might get cancer. So I think if you think like that with anything, it's like you've always got to live with that little bit of risk, but you can't stop everything because of it might happen. Mm. Yeah. And you know, you always need to go ahead as if everything's just going ahead. Mm. You can't just be like, you can't do anything in half measures because it's pointless. Yeah. If you live like that with anything where you're like, oh, yep, I, I really want to do this. Like, I really want to buy this car, but I might buy it and then crash it, so I won't. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't exist You need to just kind life. of... And there's a certain amount of things that you will put in place to, like, cover you in case mm-hmm. that things are going to happen. But for the most part, you do need to throw caution to the wind a little bit, I think. I suppose most... I mean, most people in business or whatever, generally there's a plan B, C, D, where you adapt and you pivot and a lot of small business can. I suppose, how do you do that if you're a new year's festival yeah like i was reading that snack party thing is postponed it for a few weeks and they're doing the same style which i'm sure will do really well not all of them have pivoted like that they're one of the ones who has yeah and- that's the nature of the beast though isn't it you grow to a size and you are impeded by certain things that are derivatives of that size you know mm. you become too big you can't pivot yeah. you can't change tack whereas smaller businesses are able to kind of redefine slightly or maybe look for a different angle so that's the payoff mm. I think as long as the right people are banding together, because I noticed people are like, it's not even going to go ahead. It's all a scam. It's, trying, it's like you get refunded the money. Mm. No one's benefiting off this. You literally aren't at risk. You might lose a booking fee. Yeah, have something. you seen Fire Festival, bro? <laughs> what do you, uh, never say never. With that then, what do you think of certain promoters saying, don't refund your tickets, hold on to your tickets? What, what's your perspective on that then? I think it's unreasonable because... As much as I respect the idea of it, mm. 
the we're, customer doesn't win with you and you win. If a festival goes and makes $2 million, customers aren't they're that. not going, hey guys, we made two mils, so here's some fucking money back. <laughs> yeah. There's an element of risk. Mm. But the truth of it is that if people aren't going to stay supporting things, those events will just be gone. Yeah. And other events will pop up in their place. But I think people take for granted that we do have the largest fucking Southern Hemisphere music festival. People are just like, oh, that's just something that happens here. It's like, it does until it doesn't. But is that not on the business owners? Like, is that not their job to make sure they have a business that's proof? Like, yeah, but the thing is, they're not, I don't think they're, they're not going to go under from this, mm. but it's a huge fucking loss. You have a business that runs consistently throughout the year. Mm. People do that for a job. They put on, you know, they don't just put that on that one event. They've got other events and things like that, but yeah. it's all been impeded this year. And obviously... Lots of people have been fucked over. It's been for two years almost. Nearly two years, yeah. Like, I don't know how so many, like, nightclubs and bars... Have opened. For, like, they've been... Op- I mean, do they even break even at uh, 50% capacity? Well, imagine what it's like in Melbourne and Sydney. Like, the independent businesses even come back to Melbourne? Okay, I heard a horror story. This cafe I used to go... I can't remember the name. Used to go to in North Perth, when my dad lived around there. He knew the owner. Uh, the owner just said the cafe was doing well, just got a new mortgage, had a nice car... Fast forward a few months, dad obviously lived down south and this guy was now a waiter at a cafe down south, had lost everything during COVID. He lost his business, defaulted on the mortgage, lost his car, like lost everything he had and moved down south. Like this is someone within our vicinity who's lost everything. Like you don't hear as many of these You don't hear as many of them now, but they're definitely happening. If your business folds and you can't pay your mortgage and stuff like that, that fucking sucks. There's nothing you can do about that. You know, you can't go, oh, I'm not going to get a mortgage because there might be another pandemic. Mm. You need to take these chances. We've been pretty lucky, I think, with like, initially with the government, I didn't take any government support, but like, I think there was a bunch of people who did, who did, and that definitely saved a bunch of people. Whereas like, in friends in america like you got friends in america mm. they were just like fuck you <laughs> yeah it's like what they got like a thousand dollar stimulus yeah but it was delayed by three yeah. months but that's the i mean that's the problem is we have it so good here and like the social media age and all the different platforms that now exist it just gives so many uneducated opinionated people a platform mm-hmm. and at the end of the day these people are all voters they have a say and that's the society we all choose to live in no matter what they do, they still have the power to vote. And unfortunately, that's where it gets to where we are in society. For the most part, we haven't been super affected here for most most of the people that I know. Mm. Everyone's kind of weathered the storm. It's going to be okay. what comes next, I reckon. It's going to be interesting. Like this paradigm shift that we're already seeing in a lot of places, like uh, sort of micro examples of it, like in my, at work, for example, like the work from home thing now yeah. is so like broadly, globally yeah. adopted as, as massive corporations. Exactly, though. as basically standard operating procedure. So I'm interested to see what knock-on effect this has on all the different facets, like whether it be retail or hospitality, how this now impacts them moving forward. And I think you'll see a lot of success stories coming out of how people pivot and, and shift out of this this yeah. stage and think about new ways so for example telehealth you know a big thing that came out of covid people can't travel need to have a conversation and that's opened up avenues to talk to doctors about other things so you know if you put that telehealth example on on retail like what's what's the next what's the next thing how do we make the journey from manufacturer to end customer 
the process more smooth or more seamless or more interesting or more engaging or whatever. You but know? should we? That's the thing. Is well, like I don't think we have a choice. It happens as naturally. It's definitely going to happen. It's going to yeah. happen to the point where if you want something, you get it immediately. But that's removing so many elements which are actually community-based, like the idea of people having some form of personal engagement. 100%. But think about the the early adoption of online shopping. There was that division from brick and mortar and online saying, no, 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 support us, support us, don't use this. Whereas brick and mortar didn't see it at the time as an opportunity to broaden their community. Like you look at Dan and his like little team of prepubescent army that he's got, like they come for that community and that's driven by internet, by adoption, by, by creating that via the online stream where initially that was that was pushed back against by brick and mortar so Mm. you know we are talking about a paradigm shift here it's interesting though because obviously you would be considered a niche brand but a lot of companies turn around like obviously when we were working together it was like rusty was a, a big collab and things like that companies that we'd always looked at and gone that is a multinational Mm. it's like a big thing and they're looking at what you're doing and going we want to partner with you so that we can expose ourselves locally because i think in that marketing space especially with social media and stuff like that you came up in the infancy of that and so many brands are going to companies that have no fucking idea what they're doing yeah but that's the thing is like you look at i mean say we'll use the rusty one which you referenced it's like they've got no authenticity at all here like no one knows they're based here um and for them it's not their core market either like Mm. for them to be like oh we're this cool local brand it's like we've missed the boat there's no point of you trying to do that even from a brand like that when we work them you can see one post collaboration and pre-collaboration you can see the ins and outs of brands and you can see why certain things were done and and what works and what doesn't and like you look at say like a nike nike has got so many avenues and so many facets to go down like you can get nike on every single site in the world but then you can get Nike NRG or there's the Nocta stuff or there's all these different avenues they go down where they can do elevated things. It's like the dunk, the resurgence of the dunk. Um, it's literally that, I can't remember her name, the lady who was part of Nike and part of the resurgence of the dunk. It's that it's all calculated over three to five years. Like this is the, this is what we're going to focus mm. on. And was that the woman whose son was like buying them all? And I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> she's, she's, there's a, a really good podcast I listened to by, I can't remember her name. But it's again, it's all like marketing. Like these brands are at the point now where they've got so much pull power. It's like, cool, we want to do this. We can either do it by ourselves or like the Nocta thing is like golf is one of the fastest growing sports right now. Golf and cycling are probably the two major during COVID. And then you add in Drake with Nocta. It's like that range is a no-brainer. Mm. Mm. And it's genius by Nike. It's like, that's why they're crushing Adidas. Like I remember when we were young, when you look at football boots, it was the Predator. Coppers. Yeah, and Adidas were always the big. And then the Nike came in with the Total 90 and then it was Total 90 versus F50. Mercurial. Yeah, like you look at all, yeah, again, all these different like battles. And there's so many like business wars like that through the ages. Like Adidas still has a very strong handle on football, but outside of football, like to me, without obviously knowing the statistics off my head, Nike crushes Adidas. For me, the way Nike did it, how they got all like the tastemaker fashion people in there, they had all these guys doing this stuff. Like whoever's running that department and picking these people, they built up that team to be like, cool, we now own 
that side of fashion. Well, it's fucking crazy the way that they do it. Like I was working with Sony in the UK heaps. You realize that they have like five or 600 fucking creative directors yeah. and four of them are pitching against each other for the same project. And they're all going and finding creatives like me to do it. And so much of it gets left on the cutting room floor, but they're so big and there's so much money in it. They just had so much money and so many resources they just go and hire like anyone with half a clue and go, what do you think this album should look like? What do you think the video should be? Da da da. And they, they get a couple of shots and then they just turf them out the window. Yeah. I suppose it leads back to that discussion of how things are going to change post COVID, the way things work. Like how's commercial property going to react to all of these people pulling out of <laughs> spaces? So mm. the whole work at home thing becomes the main focus. How does business adapt and pivot with the, decreasing overheads where does that budget now go who does it go to does it open more doors for creatives does it open different things up that's like there's so many different moving parts that will now happen 100 i think creatives are going to be okay because it's a world that's built for creators now mm. there's that many platforms that it's more of the more antiquated systems i think you're seeing it at the moment with um, real estate commercial real estate took such a fucking massive hit I mean, to the point that we're in like a really nice studio now, which I would have never got pre-COVID. I would have had to do that dance through so much red tape to get it. But because the market was just so bad, they they were just like showing me multiple places and like begging for my business. Yet, if you wanted to get a new rental Hmm, for um, for a residential, they're acting as if you need to do absolute fucking backflips and cartwheels for them. Whereas previously... I'd got rentals off of like a phone call just going, yeah, look, I'll take it. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, we need police clearance. Getting a rental like, now yeah. is squid game. Yeah, yeah. it's fucking crazy. <laughs> All it's going to take realistically is someone to come up with a better way. If you imagine Airbnb system and they go, okay, we're going to do Airbnb, but for long-term rentals. And then you just put a few more clauses in there. And you have direct person that owns property directly to the person that's renting it. Because landlords are the biggest cunts on the planet. Dude, you create a system like that and then it's going to be no real estate agents and I wouldn't Oof. fucking throw 20 cents to them if they're on the street for right now. Nah. <laughs> they're the worst, bro. I asked them to paint my house and they were like, no. Nah. They bumped my rent by like more than 35%. And I was like, yeah, cool. No worries. Look, I'll pay it. Just paint, paint the inside, bro. It's like this beige. And they're like... Nah. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I thought I'd play hardball with them. I was like, look, that's a pretty big increase. Like, that's more than I think you're allowed to do. So, I'm good with it though, but it needs either new carpet or wooden floors. And they just sent me back and said, no. <laughs> like, it was so gangster. There was no, not even like a kind regards. It was just like, no. It's weird because it's one of the only places where you are the customer, but you can be treated with complete and utter disdain. It's like... I'm fucking paying you also to be a middleman. Mm. Do the middleman stuff. Don't give me the fucking attitude. And the fact they have the right to come into your house once a quarter and just fucking poke their sticky little beaks around. I gotta hide my cat shit. It's fucking brutal. That's, that's supply and demand now. I it, really it is supply is, and demand. The thing is though that when the power. Uh, someone was saying this to me the other day that when times are tough, always look at the people who use that to their advantage. Yeah. Because you don't have to be a prick. You're still going to rent out a place. If someone were to hit you back and said, look, we can't paint the walls, but if you want to do it, you can do it and we'll, we'll give you like $15 a week off rent or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, that's cool. fine. 
but the fact they're just throwing their weight around because they're like for, for too long we have yeah. been the downtrodden yeah. it's like it's coming back motherfucker yeah they gangstered it on me too they were like oh if this isn't to your uh, if this isn't to your liking please let us know when you intend to vacate the premises <laughs> I was like I'll just get the fuck back in my box now bro <laughs> dude for real I want to circle back on something you said though before about um, this interesting rise of golf and cycling isn't it weird like the two biggest old men sports and i can say that because i play golf <laughs> how the fuck did this occur and do you think it has anything to do with the rise in people wearing dad sneakers <laughs> i mean from a sports perspective like they're both awesome for your body Cycling's great workout uh it's light on the joints like that's why i was i had an injury and i was cycling and mm-hmm. it's like you can cycle for x amount of time yeah and i was like wow i'm not sore at all Getting um, hand jobs from all your friends yeah. after the ride must be pretty nice too. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what you're all doing. And then even, even with golf, I suppose it's not much of a, like for me, I wouldn't look at golf and be like, yes, I'm going to burn some calories. I'm going to stay in great shape. It's more of a, a mental clarity type thing. And and you probably walk six or seven Ks, maybe more playing around at 18 holes. To be honest, walking is not. Oh, I don't know, mate. You know, you keep that shit consistent. I'm, I'm not looking at my... <laughs> My exercise and be like, yeah, but I really need to get a walk no, in here to, to stay right. in great shape. Look, it's not uh, it's not going to be one of those aerobic <laughs> workouts that you're looking for, but it's better than sitting on your ass, I suppose. But it is interesting the amount of people who have taken up golf. I have a friend mm. who um, who manages a number of very large Perth golf stores, yep. and he reckoned that he was terrified going into COVID, thinking that his world was going to come crashing down around him. He, if you'd have told him how much it had increased month on month he would have not believed you he was saying they were doing something across the business like a million dollars a month sorry a million dollars more per yeah, month yes wow. uh, just just cranking it out so many people like you just have to look at instagram the amount of people who didn't play golf last year and you mm. see them on the corks or whatever on a sunday yeah. i tried to come back and play golf though directly after that first you know when i got back from japan lockdown ended golf courses opened it was still like a bit of a palaver like you couldn't have more than one person in a buggy. You couldn't walk. You had to take a buggy. Like there was a lot of weird rules and shit as well. It feels like if it's outdoors, it's you're free, fucking it's good. Good guy. I ran around Lake Mungo in a mask, and I was like, "This is the dumbest shit I've ever done in my life." It's like jujitsu. Yeah, you can train, but you have to wear a mask. Can like, you imagine? How, like I'm fucking grinding my bodily fluids on someone else. Yeah, it's like if you're gonna get it, you're in that room. You've got it. Uh, it's either you ban it all together, or you allow it and move forward. One of the weirdest things with COVID that I've found is a lot of my fight-orientated friends are very anti-modern medicine or anti-vax. Why is that type of person so again? Like I've noticed that type of person more so that I associate like all my a lot of my best friends compared to a lot of my friends who play soccer. It's like a very different outlook on the mm-hmm. whole scenario, which I just find it's like an interesting. Just watching different people and how different people react. Do you think that's because, you know, that, that, that certain sport attracts a certain type of person and they're more predicated to not, that way? Not anymore, no, uh-huh. because I don't think that sport back in the tap-out years where when, when I was in high school, like I was a kid, I was 15 and bought a Kimbo slice, blinged out, gold. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Not at all surprising. Like in those days, yeah. yes, whereas now it's like a full intellectual intel, like jiu-jitsu especially, is like one of our best friends, Marco, who's highly intelligent, He's an engineer, a super high-functioning human. That's what jiu-jitsu and a lot of these sports are now. It's not like the meathead thing anymore. Yeah, like my dentist rolls with you guys. Yeah, and and that's where it's, again, it's more, not there's a jiu-jitsu, but like the MMA, MMA thing, like especially a lot of the UFC dudes who I follow on Instagram are just up in arms. 
It's just like, it's an interesting take on. I think the interesting thing at the moment is like being anti-vax before 2019 Mm. was like, you're a fucking idiot. Like if you're not getting your kids yeah, vaccinated, polio is coming back. All right, you're a lunatic. It was anti-vax and flat earth people, right? Mm. And it kind of felt like that was the general societal consensus. Now there being vaccinations against COVID. If you have questions about the vaccinations, you're anti-vaxxer. It's like, I'm not like them. I've just got a couple of questions about this fucking thing that's happening. And I'm back, like I'm double vaxxed. But it seems to be such a contentious issue it feels like if you are vocally anti-vax, you are nothing else on social media. Like all they do all day, every day is just fire out and share like, this is what's really going on. Wake up and it's just like mute. I don't need to fucking know. But it feels like they're willing to die on that cross. I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I really struggle to empathize with anyone's opinion when they believe that like Instagram activism is a legitimate way of getting your message across. Well, this is the thing. It's not not a legitimate way. I agree with you completely in theory, but we spoke to Colby the other week. He did like three years of work fully documenting and tagging Great White Sharks. Mm. UWA would not publish the paper because sharks are a contentious yeah fact so they just got buried so it does matter that's the problem is it it actually we know that it doesn't but on a corporate government and societal level in a lot of ways it does Mm. if people are yelling and screaming some people are like it's going to be easier just to forget about it i think i just hate how easy it is i mean anyone can be a fucking protester back in the day if you wanted to protest you got a sign on a big picket and you went out and you got shot by a rubber bullet that's how we did it in the old days <laughs> that's true at least go to, you, you know what if you're anti-vax and you're not going to a march sit fucking down <laughs> yeah yeah and you better not be wearing a mask motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even, yeah. even for me it's like the whole anti-vax movement so like the fact that you have to say oh this is my opinion but i'm double vaxxed like that's insane no, no, that's it is insane now. No shit. To understand and have an opinion on such a in-depth topic like vaccinations and medicine, none of us have the privilege of doing that. Literally. And that's why you look at social media. And like, even for me, I've read a, a few things and listened to a few podcasts and I have somewhat of an opinion. But I'm not sitting on social media voicing that so loudly because... I'm not educated enough yeah, to and do you're not, so. You're not certain. And you've got to look more experts. You know, like I listened to a really good, like I'm not a big medicine person at all, but I listened to a great one with Lex Friedman. I can't remember the guy's name, but a well-known immunologist. And the way they explain like why the US government went with vaccines over mm. ivervectin and stuff like that. And when they actually talk you through it, it's a great listen. But then on the other argument, then, then comes the conspiracy thing. Oh, well, the government's just doing it because it's a business, it's all more money. What is the root cause of this? Like, is it now, because especially because the fact that there's mandates, does that open up the door for these conspiracists to be like, yep, there's something behind, there's something going on here. The fact that they're going down this route, they're trying to control us. Mm. Like, mm. Where, what is the root cause that spins people to the point of going against it feels Everything. like it's maybe the perfect storm because we have certainly the first period that I've lived through where we can't really identify a trustworthy news source. Mm. You realize that like 90% of everything is clickbait and it's like, okay, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to subscribe to believing this. So I'm going to look into it. But you hear really, really convincing arguments for and really yeah. convincing arguments against. It, that's not just for vaccinations. It's not yeah, just for it's COVID. Everything. It's for everything. But the problem is that it pushes reasonable people into apathy. Mm. 
where you're like, I've got better shit to do than worry about this. I've got to deal yeah. with my own life. Our media was propped up on needing advertising dollars to survive and it has been since we were born. Yep. Now, because physical newspapers aren't sold at any sort of a rate, everything is based on time on site and click-throughs so that they need that shocking thing. They need... They yeah. get you there. Not only that, but you can also, no matter how broad the spectrum is, you can always find a narrative that suits your own. Yeah. So you've <laughs> got a source that will back up your story because there is one on the internet. But that's the, the like I don't understand why they, like it's a known fact that these businesses are private, like they're a private company that's publishing news. They need to make money. Yeah. Mm. So can you you need to use that like when you're gathering perspective and what? Yeah, but everyone does. And that's the problem is that even the things that you agree with, yeah, they need to make exactly. money as well. At the end of the day, it just feels like people can make really compelling arguments for and people can make really compelling arguments against. I don't vilify people that have differing opinions to me because they just have differing opinions to me. Mm. I'm not like, how dare you? And that seems to be the thing now. If someone has a differing opinion to you, close your eyes and yell at them until they go away. Like we talk about post-COVID or like the new world, there's going to be a correction to that in some way because what we're dealing with at the moment is just if you have two parents that can't find common ground and are just constantly yelling at each other, it's such a toxic environment that children grow up with no emotional intelligence and they have trouble with problem solving and dealing with any sort of emotional regulation. And it feels like that society right now is just that. We're logging onto social media or we're logging onto anything and it's, hey, there's A and B fucking arguing with each other. Which side of this am I on? And you got to make that choice every fucking time you read anything. That is something that probably needs to be sorted out because I think for society in general, it's obviously something that is problematic. Mm. But also in saying that, for the most part, like we all have closed conversations all the time and I know that everyone else does as well. Where everyone's like, that's fucking ridiculous. Like I know between our, what, what have we got in the group chat? Like seven people. Mm. Uh, we don't all hold the same opinions on vaccinations. We don't all hold the same political views and things like yeah. that. There is 95% of stuff that we can talk about that isn't that. If I disagree with you on that, I don't need to discount you as a human being. Yeah. Yeah, the loud shouting on either side just makes me worried that we're breeding a bunch of people who are just apathetic to to kind of everything because speaking out against one or the other involves an argument i just can't see us working out a way of of encouraging discourse between the different sides in a fucking positive way it's just, it's just well the crumbling. only positive the only way is like understanding and there's no room for understanding there like we've said it before like if you are arguing with your girlfriend the more you argue, the less you're going to understand each other. It's not until you're kind of gassed. Mm. And then you have that like conversation and you're like, oh, look, I see where you were coming from. You see mm. where I was coming from. You both concede a little bit and you actually do make that understanding. And then you don't argue about that shit anymore. You keep it moving and you're stronger for it. There doesn't appear to be that forum right now. It comes down to the, each individual then. What is the filter you have in place? Like, and then in the simplest form, it's like think about if you're buying a brand. Like for me, with obviously that's my business. If you're buying a brand you're basing that buying on a specific thing over that you've gathered subconsciously or you've seen it and then, oh, I, like, I want to buy into that. I like that. And over time, that builds authenticity. It builds wealth with that person, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And then by the end point, like that you're so ingrained within that and you know, oh, this brand means this, this brand means that. If you apply that whole thing to a new source, it's like, cool. We've grown up with, what is it, Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10, and I haven't watched the news since I was fucking 10. Mm. Um, 
because I don't, that's not what I want to watch and that's not what I want to gather my. You want to be entertained? Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to sit and watch that because that's not, they just repeat the same thing. If you're interested in something, you're going to go hunt it out, find yes, it, get yeah. it from the source. You don't want it packaged up and shoved down your throat. But every mm. individual, I mean, that's the hardest thing is all of these arguments and all these different things. Like we don't live in a perfect world. Perfect competition, which I studied at university in my degree, it doesn't exist. It's the whole argument like, are more people good or are more people bad in society? No one knows the definitive answer. That's you hope great. to think mm. everyone mm. is good. But then there's, it goes back to the whole thing, like all these dudes who are so like anti-police and all these things, it's like do you, like the defund the police argument. Obviously, there, there's way more to that argument. But you look at the base level guys who are like, yeah, fuck the cops. We don't need cops. We don't need this. We don't need that. Cool. Those dudes might be fine. But some girl or some weak little dude is saying that. It's like, cool, man. Give me your address and I'll come over and I'll yeah. tie you up mm. and I'll take all your stuff. We live in a society where... Everyone can't defend themselves. Mm. They serve a purpose, the police. And I'm not a big pro-cop person, but the, for me, especially when it links back to my experience with people like, you support the cops. It's like, no, they serve their purpose. Mm. And it's like, cool, remove them and I'll fucking come to your house now. And then- And what are we removing police for here anyway? Don't get me wrong. Mm. There is obviously huge issues and deaths in custody and stuff like that, which is really, really oh, needs, needs looking at and fully needs to be reformed based around mm. that. But you can't just take buzz topics- one of the funny things that I thought was that someone, someone was was coming at you, and they were like, "He probably calls the police when he's scared." It's like everyone does. I've seen you run from the police on a number of occasions, <laughs> but I've never, I haven't seen you call them. And if you had, there would be reason to. But that's where, like, even the instances I've had with social media, where it's gone from me posting on social media to get someone to clean out. Oh, let's just shop. cover this because it's like it's pretty interesting. So I'll give you my understanding of it, which seems to be the, mm. the the general consensus and you can clear it up. So someone came and graffitied your sign at Street X. You called out through your network and said, who's this tag? Someone's graffitied the sign. We're not going to call the police, but you got to come back and clean it off. Mm. Yep. Dudes obviously hit you up and were like, we know who it is. You were like, come back, clean it up. He came back, cleaned it up. And then that, that was, was it. That was, I think you called, you took photo, you, you put a photo up of him, right? And you were like, you got Yeah, like it was just a photo of me tensing and a screenshot. Like, a, a yeah, complete, it's hilarious. Yeah, like it's obviously. So there was no police involved. No. He was 18. He was from the UK originally, I think his parents were. Um, and I was like, hey, like, you need to come clean this. And then he was the came there and he was friendly and he was like, sorry, man, I was really pissed. And the girl I was with was pissed too. In the other word, in, and then, in the and other then world. you were cool with it? Like yes. you were just like, fuck, he was like, it's all good, it's all fixed. Like, are you going to beat me up? And I was like, no, you're fucking an 18-year-old kid, yeah, man. Yeah. Here, you, and then you're not going to press charges, nothing. It's no, just like, that's it, been solved. Like it's a complete waste of time getting police involved for something like that. So, and it's funny. It yeah. was resolved in a funny way. From what I'd read after that on the most extreme ones of the mm. people coming, it was like... You called the police on an underage Aboriginal child who graffitied your store when you peddle graffiti yeah, as yeah. like a marketing point for Street X. That <laughs> yeah. seemed to be the, like the narrative. Well, that's what it, it started as first. It was me bullying an underage kid online. And I was like, the dude's 18. Uh, he's an adult. And he, I spoke to his dad on the phone. His dad was like, he's an adult mate sorry he makes his own choices don't call me and i was like fair play yeah the kid said just call his dad and i was like oh and he's like yep he'll sort it out leave it to him mate he's he's 18 
and I was sort of thought nothing of it, whatever. It was a funny saga, and we made we sold some teas as a joke, and then yeah, then they went all crazy for that, and then fast forward to now, recently out of the blue, this person who I have no idea who they are started saying, "Oh, this guy calls the cops when underage Aboriginal kids graffiti is stolen." I'm like, it's like Chinese whispers at school. Where do these people? come up with these things it just feels like it's a bunch of buzzwords mm. sort of thrown at you the funny thing is though you do some wild shit like i know you well and as much as it pains me to say because you're my friend you're actually a good fucking person like mm. you did the fires thing mm. how much money did you raise for like the hundred and two thousand dollars a hundred and two thousand dollars from selling shirts that you raised for that you know as well as i do you could have just gone yeah, 20 grand for the fires yeah, yeah, yeah. and kind and of bought a car. But you, and no yeah. one could have said anything about Man. it because they would have been like, that's $20,000, but it's like over $100,000. Like this, the charitable thing is great that we raise all that money, but you get so many brands who use this all as marketing now. Like greenwashing is a massive thing. The whole uh, save the environment thing now is so big with brands. And it's like, are you really... Mm. Like one small little aspect of your business is environmentally friendly. Yeah. Not the other 90%. The yeah. little 10%, which is you've made it. It's like, cool, we've got a recyclable bag. All right, that's great. So talk me through how all of your stitch tags are done. Talk me through where all your threads come from. Talk me through where your yarn comes from, mm. where all your ink comes from. And like we've got bio bags too, and that's great. But I'm not like, wow, save yeah. the environment. Yeah, but you do what you can where you can. Exactly. At yeah. the end of the day, like fast fashion is fast fashion. It's the fucking way mm. it's going to be. And it sucks and it probably does need some sort of an overhaul. But the people that are standing on the soapbox yelling about that are wearing Nikes. Correct. They're posting on their phone. It's yeah. made in China. It's yeah. interesting. It's like the next evolution of virtue signaling. Now it's not good enough just to say, I believe in this cause. You actually have to be seen to be doing something to further it. Mm. And yeah. when you're looking at it from a business standpoint, it's almost like how little can I do to get away with being legitimate exactly. in my cause exactly right. but not actually yes. affect my yeah. bottom line. Mm. Exactly right. And that's what it is. It's like you've got to choose who you are as a person and what you stand for and then secondly as a business. Even for us, like with the donations and whatnot, like it's cool, it's fun. Like the NADOC stuff we've done with those the kids from Hale is that's cool, it's a cool thing to do. I like it. Mm. I'm not doing it because I want to be a part of things. And that led to another cancellation I got online which was um, – when one of the COVID things came, one of my mates from China had a bunch of face masks. Oh, so I was like, can I have a thousand? And he said, yeah, a hundred bucks. So I bought a hundred bucks worth a thousand masks. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we'll give all our customers free masks. God. He was selling masks. <laughs> he was selling masks yeah. while people were dying. It went from me giving away a free mask on Instagram story to I'm hoarding masks and I need to think of the Aboriginal communities up north yeah taking it away from first line of a yeah and i was like how (laughs) like i understand of course there's communities in need everywhere but it literally went to the point where i was like how on earth has it got to this so i was giving away free masks so chemists sell masks iga coles like are you outside these places protesting but the reality is you were literally giving them away to people and it wasn't with purchase right it was just if customers in general it was any order mm. you can't see people the shop's closed you can't go and hand them out because you're not allowed to so, our only oh, way so to, you were just putting them in, in yes any online order orders. we just chucked them in unfortunately we live in a capitalistic society i don't have to do anything to anyone mm. and no chemist needs to give you anything free you don't rock up to a place and they have masks for free we don't live in that society that's not how it works like coal sells bags you don't get free bags for shopping anymore mm-hmm 
that's how the world works. It's very yeah, true. exactly. And you can't just yell at it and hope it's going to mm. go away. I feel like you have pretty set morals and you run your business in a way that reflects yourself mm. so that when people do come for this cancellation, which they seem to troll for, which is the weirdest thing, and I think people probably don't understand this, being on the outside, but these people that do come after you that I've mm. seen, the start of their thing is like, hey, does anyone have any information on anyone that I might be able to cancel? Like yeah. that's literally, yeah. and that's 100% how it starts. It's like, I think I might take someone down today. And then it just goes to the point where one of them was just like, recently was like, you're a racist and a rapist Man. and a misogynist. And they were just imploring people to stop buying your clothes. She's like, guys, we've been talking about this for years. They're racists and rapists. It's like, hold up. Can we just fucking pause and look at those two terms? Because that is an insane thing mm. to be. It would be very hard for starters to hide <laughs> being a racist and a <laughs> rapist. Like, it's that's an absolutely hideous thing. Like, because that's a, obviously genuinely a, such a huge problem so just to throw that at someone because i don't even know why like what because you're too big for your boots or something Mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious that they have issues i'm never going to be like reductive and be like calling people crazy or anything like that it's like lots of people have a platform now to say whatever they want and i'm Mm -hmm. sure if i had a platform to say whatever i wanted at like 19 years old right now i would be like doing my best to get rid of that platform um it's pretty insane like I think it's, it's 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 the like it links back to the start of the conversation. It's what the world is now. Like if you want to be charismatic or outgoing or outspoken or be yourself, for me, it's being myself online. You have to be ready to cop it. Like again, if if you are that type of person authentically, that's, no one can touch you. Yeah, and that's what you've got to be ready for that. You got to, mm. like even for me, it used to get to me where I was like, what the hell is going on? Whereas now I'm like, it's such a common occurrence. Imagine being famous. Like imagine the, the people who are famous, like how they exist in the world. Like imagine like a Cristiano Ronaldo is a no super, shit. like he couldn't go to the, the chemist or couldn't no. go to a supermarket. Like so that, I always, th- like I'm like that, I'm no one. Like I'm not famous at all. And these people still, I was like, even when I see it now, I'm like, man, why don't you guys aim higher? Like why don't you go, why don't you go for someone who's cool, like who's actually famous? It's like you've got like the real low hanging fruit if you're like, wow, we're going to get this guy. It's like, man, I've got a few followers on social media. Like some kids recognize me when I go out, but like you've really aimed low. Yeah. Like go look, go look at an AFL player. They've got fucking some followers. A lot of your shit is also so super almost self-deprecating in a way. It's you taking the piss out of yourself yeah. to a degree. And it's like they still want to throw shit. It's like, I'm fucking taking the piss out of myself. But I wonder what, again, it links back to like, there's a number of issues of what is like the root cause. The fact that someone can go and say those things about someone with, with no consequences at all. One. And then secondly, why is that so normalized now? Like we're so just used to those things being said. It's like, oh, I can say this and get away with it. Like I've had him now. Well, at the point, like I, I kind of know what to do. I'm like, cool you're so you're not street you reported into the cops one i didn't do that oh you're bullying a kid because you made him clean i'm like isn't that street yeah being like hey man you fucked up dealing with it yourself isn't that street it's like do you have like what do you want me to like how street do you want me to be you want Mm. me to be a person trying to cancel me 
what's your dad's address? Let me go beat the shit out of him. Let yeah. me yeah, go yeah, slap exactly, him. Exactly. Right? Is that street? Yeah. Like where these, I don't understand where. Or congratulate the kid for graffitiing. <laughs> what the fuck? And like, it's not even that. It's like, it's literally just, you clean the sign, man. We made a shirt with the graffiti on. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's your glorification. The kid actually bought one. No shit. Yeah. And it's like that for me, it's like, it's a cool process. Um, and then people were like, oh, give him a job. Like what's the famous record company or someone that did that? Um, someone did something wrong and then they ended up giving the kid. That's cool. Like those people can do that. Again, for me and my business, I'm on my own path. I'm doing my own thing. I don't want to replicate what other people have done before. And that's what I've learned as I've got older. And like, again, social media links so much to that because you see what everyone else is doing, buying cars, businesses portraying a certain aesthetic and it clouds your judgment. So for me, the one of the biggest things is you're trying to remove yourself from that and focus on what your core identity one more as a business is. And then secondly, as a person outside of that, because that's just as important. If you keep seeing and watching what everyone else is doing, you're never going to improve. Like even for us, I look at the business now, our business has scaled and changed and like, it's great. And then you see, oh, a massive hundred million dollar business is like, fuck, I'm not there. It's like, you're not meant to be there. Mm. You can't just skip to there. Mm. You have to focus more on yourself than on other people. And then that comes with all the, the, the shit that I cop. Again, as long as you're content with who you are and your close friends are, or people you respect, like not one person I respect has ever commented negatively or said things like this to me on social media. Like if they have, think you're doing something wrong, I'll have a phone conversation. And it's like, I don't understand where these people come from. Do they think they have the ability to cast that judgment on someone else? Like for me, if I want to talk shit about someone, do you not want to look at yourself first and be like, all right, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I casting judgment on someone else? Like time is such a finite resource these days. Why would you waste time talking about someone else? And you just don't know, like people are just in situations and they can do these things, but it just feels like it's a sad thing that people will choose that as like a vocation Mm. almost. It's like, oh, this is what I want to do. And this is what I care about. I'm going to go after this with like such little information. I was pretty heavily involved with Street X for years Mm. from real early days. I felt like when I left, another chapter kind of began. And something that I fully respect about it is it's actually super fun. You're taking the piss out of yourself Mm. heaps. And everyone knows that. Like everyone fucking knows that. I think in Perth was a brave thing to do initially because it's so tall poppy. Mm. And people would be like, look at this guy. Like he thinks he's so great. It's like, no, he's taking the piss. But then it's like, there's a certain area where like Daniel Bradshaw stops existing and Gucci Smoothie exists. Mm. And you kind of have found that space and it becomes like a very entertaining element to it and people that understand that get on board and obviously a ton of people are getting on board i think that there is a ton of people people also are no exactly but i think that that's where there's a ton of people that are like how do you like this Mm. that's fine that's completely fine because you can walk around going like because there's shit that i don't like and i'm like man i don't understand how people fucking roll with Mm. this i don't get it but to go i don't understand how people roll with that that person must be a rapist is fucking <laughs> it's so wild. But like, it's even if like you look at that, why, like even for me, from a business standpoint, why would you focus on the people who don't like your business? You're never going to convert these people. No matter if like they're really cool people, someone you respect massively, if they don't like it, they're never going to like it. Yeah. Don't you can't try and try and turn them. Yeah. And even, even with me, like again, with the, the cancel, canceling people or the freaks or whatever, whatever, who doesn't like me, that's fine. 
I'm not using my time to think about why they're doing it. That's their choice. That's their choice to do that. They can do whatever they want because I've made my choice what I'm going to do. And even with like the the thing where like people might be like, oh, this guy's oh, he's a bit, bit fucking out there. At the end of the day, like as much as I play, oh, I think I'm great. I think I'm cool. I do really think that because as a person, I'm happy with myself and content mm. where I can be like, I'm the fucking man because I think I am. If you don't think you're that, like if you're not that happy with yourself and you don't think you're great, what's the point of existing? And you're happy to take response to that. Yeah. Like, like, cause you would do some shit and like your friends would be like, you're a fucking idiot. And you'd be like, suck me off. It doesn't matter. Like, it's like, it's, it it becomes that banter where it's like having confidence. No one can ever fuck with you if you're confident in what you're doing. And that's where you got to make the choice. Either you are fully that or you like again it's back to authenticity if you're trying to be the man and trying to be like yeah i'm so cool i'm fucking out there i'm outgoing and you go to a venue and someone's just hello to you and you're just like oh, super insecure oh. mm. <laughs> like that's not how it works it links back to the core is being authentic it's quite interesting that because i've the difference between who you are in private and who you are in public is very 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 small mm, <laughs> like yeah it really fucking is but that's, that's the thing is I think so many people, not even many outside of the industry alone. Like again, the fashion industry is the weirdest industry of all time. Like you walk into a room and guys want to look at what you're wearing rather than talk to you. Mm. And for me, obviously retail is my background. And besides retail, like the basis is one, being a normal person, like not even normal, being a good person. If someone walks into a room, do you say hello to them and greet them? Or do you just turn around and be like, I'm not going to talk. Like that's, that's, that's human interaction one on one. Someone leaves the room, you say goodbye. Someone walks in, you say hello, regardless mm. of if they're dressed well or their aesthetic or whatever. And that's been the big thing that's always been a part of the business is you have to be nice to people because that's how the world works and that's how it should work. Like that's just basic common decency mm. with people, and that and that's what it's insane that so many places aren't like that. And again, it's like cool. You don't like what I make or my clothing or you don't like this aesthetic that's great like i can still talk to you someone else is gonna buy man i know a lot of heaps of people talk shit about me but like that's cool yeah uh, like if i see you on the street i can say hello to you i, I don't understand how people some people like get all really awkward and they're like oh oh, oh it's that dickhead <laughs> it's like either you go your own separate way or you just be a normal person and like people it's just human interaction mm. is so weird watching people because people live and exist like on a computer, on a device. It's like mm. you see that person in person. It's like you've spoken so negatively about someone online. Like, oh, if you see it in person, are you going to say those same things? No, mm. you're not. No, exactly. And like for me, I would never, ever go on Instagram or a Google and be like a reviewer business badly or this guy sucks, this guy that. It's like, would you say that to that person? You need to be able to say it to their face. You would have had this before. The funniest thing is, especially when we were doing clubs and we were mm. like right in people's face all the time, I'd meet people and they'd be like, I thought you were a fucking dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yeah. that this conversation's over. Like, I, how can you I'm start not, a conversation no, I know, like it's that. like, it's like, I'm, I'm not nice enough to just continue yeah. this. I'd be like, well, fuck you then. Mm. Because... People are like, oh, they want to have that point of differentiation where they're like, I thought you were a dickhead, but it turns out you're really nice. And I don't really agree with who you are publicly, but me and you get each other. It's like, no, dude, we're not on yeah. that level. But the fact that someone would even like, it's like, when oh, is it a good idea to say that? On social media, you're a bit weird. I don't know if I can talk to you. It's like, just being all like, that's how you interact with people. If someone is nice and friendly, you do that. 
Like people are just so so weird and that's I think again, a lot of people are socially awkward man and like when they see someone that isn't it's quite intimidating yeah I definitely have my moments of being socially awkward but it just sort of shows itself more as me sort of tuning out where I'm like mm. I'm not really vibing in this space whereas the two of you I've traveled like extensively with both of you you both kind of rise to the occasion of being in that social environment like the pair of you is the fucking funniest, <laughs> funniest commonality is that I've been in LA with both of you. You both understand marketing really fucking well. Where I've seen you turn into the most Australian version of yourself the second we walk in somewhere and everyone just eats it up. And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck is going on. I here. remember two stories I told um, some girls at that fucking bar, Denmark, right? yeah. Denmark Studios. So I give this story, she's like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, I'm a whacker. And she's like, what the hell is a whacker? And I'm like, you know, the Sydney Harbour Bridge? She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, what we have is a problem where koalas will actually <laughs> nest at the top. And what I do is I walk along the bridge with a big stick and I whack them off. And they're like, what? Don't they get hurt? Do they fall? I'm like, nah, they just fall into the river and they swim to the bank. It's great because there's a lot of droppings and it's a real nuisance in Sydney. You've got to have someone clean it up. So that's what I do. And man, ate it up. Ate it up. I'll give anyone permission to use that next time we're allowed to travel. It's a fucking a guaranteed game winner. The other one was I told them I bred hybrid kangaroos. So if you wanted a pink one, I'd get a red one and a white one, put them together. Boom, you got a pink one. We used to breed miniatures so you could take them in your handbag. That was the one that got me. What the man? <laughs> I remember you used to turn because you don't drink much and you don't like, you were not a huge party guy. We got to America and you just were hammered drunk and yep. just completely taking over everything. Well, it's just the drinks. Like you get a shot and it's like, hey, here's half a glass of alcohol. <laughs> everyone tells you that Australians are like the biggest drinkers. I just assume that. Like growing up, everyone's like, yeah, Australians drink here. Free pouring is not like, an Australian Jesus fucking thing. Christ, dude. <laughs> and their shot glasses are fucking yeah. middies and you're just like, how am I going to drink that? <laughs> well, I mean, imagine if that existed here. I remember when we had a, a pop-up in LA and it was, we had the, the launch party and I was so, it was free, obviously, alcohol. And I was just so drunk. And then that night we went back to Airbnb and I was just so obliterated that me and my night, Dean Carnamola, were wrestling in the, in the Airbnb <laughs> as, as all, all the boys do. And yelling and whatnot. And then we just, I remember I just hear this noise. And I walked outside and looked over the fence and I was like, there's someone on the street yelling. And we were staying at the, like under another house in the Airbnb. And I was hearing this yelling and I was like over the fence, just like, shut the fuck <sighs> up. And I was so blind. And then I just hear, keep hearing this noise. And eventually it comes a little bit clearer. And I was like, oh, what? And looked up. And there is the Airbnb owner <laughs> in the house above us just going, shut up. <laughs> I ran back inside and I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to get a bad review tomorrow. And then just woke up to an essay from this Airbnb owner. But like, I mean, again, like I, I've so many stories from being traveling. Like I've got one of my tattoos on my body is a credit card from this. I think it was this, actually the same night we went, to, we went to a bar and I just chucked my card behind this bar and I was like yep non-stop drinks and that was the night where I yelled at the Airbnb owner so that's why I've got I've got a tattoo room to remember it <laughs> one of the funniest ones we had is like you had the street x store you'd done a couple of pop-ups right yep and then you just moved into the laneway on William Street, William Street. Yep. 
for those that don't know, but probably no one knows, is like Bradshaw worked for us because you were training with Delby doing MMA yep. and finishing uni. So he worked for us doing the clubs as a marketing. Door girl. Terrible, terrible <laughs> marketing guy. I met him for the first time in your apartment and I was like, who is this child, child. sitting on fucking Scott's floor? Look like he's 15 years Literally old. Literally reverse Benjamin Button. I've never yeah. seen someone age so fast in fucking five years. You've gone from 16 to 63. Yeah. Dude, you're a child. Imagine looking like that and working in a club where the bouncers just go to the bikies. <laughs> that, that guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> me, with, me holding a clipboard. <laughs> With no facial hair and I've never worn skinny jeans ever again these days. <laughs> I'm just going, oh, sorry, guys. There, no, there is footage of you, like, because you were fighting then. Yeah. Like, oh, in the oh, ring oh, and there's oh, a fucking dangerous footage of you. I think that's the first time I met you, actually, was it coming to watch you fight mm. with Delby. But anyway, you work for us. You'd started the store and it was just about to kick off. Yep. And I was like, like I want to fucking tell him that he needs branding because I didn't like what you had when you were about to open. It's one of those awkward things where you tell someone, it's almost like going, yo, your girlfriend fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you stay with her, we're not going to be friends yeah. anymore. And um, I was like, man, I kind of think that like, you need like a identity. branding identity. And you were like, I fucking do, man. Like, and we just, we sat there and like mm. did it pretty much in like three or four days. That was where the STX box logo came yep. from. Um, so I did like a, a run of designs on, so it was one page and it was the X as well, the X mm. that's on the neon. And I just did like a bunch of them. And then we did all the rest of the mock-ups as t-shirts for Christmas. It went fucking crazy. And I remember you being like, I have so much money. Yeah. <laughs> like after Christmas, you've like just never seen, yeah, 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 no, exactly. for real. You're like, I got so much money. I want to go to America and see all of my suppliers yeah. right because you've been running for like a year a year and a half a year yeah. and a half i think it would have been by then and um i was like i'm not doing shit let's go and mm. we, so we went to america and you were so green because you were just the ch like you were Child. how old were you like 19 22 fuck you look like you yeah. were like 17 yeah, years know, old. yeah yeah so when we got there he was like super anxious flyer mm. like really 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 fucking nervous flyer and then like absolutely no idea what to expect when we got to America. And I remember we got to America and we spent the first night in um, our friend Kurt's apartment. We were sleeping like on the, it was a one bedroom apartment. So we were sleeping on the floor, either side of his bed. <laughs> the shit is not good. I'm sure it's not glamorous now. It's like never glamorous. He's sleeping with his headphones in. We're in the middle of Hollywood. And he just jumps up, like fires like right up into the air and he just runs over to the window and he's like, what the fuck, man? Like, what the fuck? He's like, did you hear that? And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, there's a drive. It was a fucking drive-by, man. Did you not hear that? And we're like, what are you talking about? And he's convinced. He's like completely convinced. Anyway, it's like three or four days later and we're in a taxi and he's got his headphones on. And he just starts piercing himself laughing. <laughs> and he's like, listen to this. And he just gives me the headphones. And he had the headphones and he was listening to some rap song. J-Rock's album. Yeah. And that's just gone into his fucking dream. And, I was and he's like, woken up and it's complete reality. I'll never, ever forget that. I can't remember what album it is, but it's the J-Rock and it's the intro track on it's the album. It's a mixtape. That was so funny. But that's the, I mean, that's the thing is, again, it's like opens up 
a whole new world when you travel to different places and you experience. It changes your yeah. whole perspective. That's, well, that's why people need to do that. Yeah, and that's what more people hear. Like it links back to all the stuff we've discussed where people like think they've got a platform. They think they've, this is their opinion, this is that. And then it goes back to like the news you read. Everything needs to be based on experience. Like if mm-hmm. you've never experienced things, you've never experienced hardship. It's like, look at a sporting team. Like look at Croatia in the the last World Cup, making the World Cup final. Twenty eight years ago, they were in civil war. Like those people have fought. They've they've fought through hardship and adversity. Like I've lived here. I'm thirty now, and I've lived with a silver spoon in my mouth my whole life. As almost mm. every single person I have that I know, because our government gives us money. There's no wars. There's nothing. Like of course there are people who are who are lesser off of and all that sort of thing. But there is a very different perspective. Like everything should be based on experience. And when you travel and see how these other places are and how the real world is, gives you perspective. So when you're reading the news, it's like, oh, this is the sugar-coated gold version, not. Or just understanding there is two voices to every story. I mean, I grew up in the Middle East and I went I went there in 1991 so it was as the Gulf War ended like we went to Bahrain and there was still oil like black clouds night was night day was night it was like you yeah. couldn't get sun and you'll see a lot of anti-Arab sentiment mm. you know for, for fucking 20 years 30 years more especially from the western world but seeing that living in it it's not it's not how it is and the only way I could have got that perspective is is by living there by, by seeing it and it is something that i feel sorry for a lot of these people because i think you're right they just don't they just haven't had an opportunity to get themselves out of their own little bubble yeah i don't know what reality is it's like even when covid hit with job keeper it's like how many places in the world do we have that luxury fucking oath it's it's ridiculous when you yeah. think about it it's like okay guys everyone's got the flu so you're gonna have to stay home but don't worry we're going to spend a billion dollars or more just giving you a couple of fucking top-ups. And you don't need to... Don't sh- spend it on cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to struggle to have perspective. Like, we're born here, middle class. That's the existence you have. Yeah. So you live within it. And you try and have as much empathy for the situations of people around you. But you can't pretend that you're downtrodden and you've just, like, started from nah, the bottom yeah. and coming up. But what you can do is you can travel around the world and you can really familiarise yourself with different types of people and understand different people's situations. For me, my big realisation when I first left Australia was that this isn't real. This is a utopia. This is quite different to the the risk and reward of the real world, which I considered to be Europe and America and stuff like that. And people will get their backs up about that, but can give less of a fuck. It's like when my perspective changed by going overseas and seeing that the things that we were doing here and the things that people that I knew and things that I were aware of here were actually as important as the things that were going on in like what I perceived to be the center of the universe, but just no one really had the confidence in them. Hmm. So biggest takeaway that I had from anything, and I think this is something that you got when you went over to the States hmm. the first time, this mind-changing is meet people that you hold on a pedestal. Like meet people that you look up to and if you can have a conversation with them, you'll realise immediately, especially if it's in their setting, you realise they're just fucking human beings that like brush their teeth in the morning, hmm. do the same shit as everyone else and that your ideas are just as important. And I feel like the more that 
like seeing you go and do that and i saw it change your whole perspective on everything and it was like oh i can do fucking anything now and then you come back and no one can throw you off because it's like if you're here and you don't have that commonality until you go and do that you don't you don't really understand where i'm at it's similar to um i've been getting into like philosophy and stuff lately because i've got a ton of fucking time Mm. on my hands and i was reading the allegory of the cave which is like a really famous story it's basically about a bunch of people that live in a cave and there's a fire going behind them and all they can see is um the shadows of things that are being moved behind them they've got their heads chained forwards and then one of them gets released and he sees that everything that they thought was reality which was these shadows was actually real things so like the shadow of a cow looks like one thing but the cow itself is a three-dimensional thing and then he goes out and sees the world and he's like, this is absolutely insane. And they let him back down. He goes back down to tell everyone and free them and say, this is what the world's really like. But they are so connected to the reality of what they the say. shadows that they try and kill him. And this is, a, this is from the, the 18th or 16th century. Like it's, it's incredibly old. But I was reading that and I was like, you need to go and experience things and see things for yourself to actually change perspective on what you think of the world. If someone comes to you and says, what you think is important isn't important, what you think is real isn't real, they're going to automatically be defensive on that. Ultimately, people just don't want to be told that they're wrong or what they, they think isn't correct. But you need to put yourself in a position to be proven wrong. Mm. Yeah, there's a vulnerability there that needs to exist. I'm realizing you're not shit, but there is a path to you being yeah. shit. Remember when we first met Amwar mm. and you thought Amwar was just yeah. like a god. Famous. And then within 90 seconds, he's just like, Clean all. I remember we went into a store on Fairfax. Hall of Fame. Yeah, Hall of Fame. And they said, oh man, we saw what Dan did with the store mm. and that influenced us to do this. And we were like, yeah, man, sick. <laughs> and then we walked out and we were just like, what the fuck? Like, it was like the craziest thing because streetwear exists on Fairfax in in LA. Like, yeah, it's literally it. imagine then if Dan had turned around and gone, "Fuck you!" Like, <laughs> bite, biting my shit, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. the equivalent of what's happening to to you know him on social media. That's it. It's, it's not so much like a uh, a lack of opportunity for experience. Mm. It's actually like a pushing away of experience. Yeah. It's like, no, that doesn't align with me. I'm on mm. this this track, and you don't have to be humble. You don't have to fucking, people are always like, oh, you need to be humble. It's like, like you just need to be there and just be open. Just be like, because what you just said then is like, that's, if you're like, oh, you're biting my shit. It's just shutting things down, right? Yeah. And you realize like as soon as you get to America, and I, I can't stress this enough for anyone that is in like creative, go and see how supportive people are of each other yeah. in that right. environment, especially being from here and realize that especially like kids or younger people from Perth, this is the most repressive it's it's insane and even your family your friends everything without even realizing i just feel like we've been brought up in this space that is just so it's so negative but it's also like there's just an ambient negativity around things it's like don't speak too loud mm-hmm. about like what you're doing are oh, you gonna do that yeah oh, totally it's yeah. just like ideas get fucking pop before they're even born <laughs> And then when you're doing the things that you're doing, which I know you're like six months ahead of anything that's coming out right now, Mm. by the time people are fucking, if they talk shit on something you're doing right now, you're like, yeah, that was last year. I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. So that's what it's like. It's like even now, 
once you once you experience these things once you do them your actual self it's like oh i can be myself and like these that's all these people are doing they're being themselves and they're existing as who they are so for me that like the, again those trip like scott mentioned was gave me the ability to be like oh wow i can act and be who i want to be i don't have to be someone i don't have to be this i don't mm-hmm. I can be whoever i want to be and it gives you the freedom to realize like i think the biggest thing is time and experience because you go oh cool this is how the real world is you're not sheltered from the the land we exist in 100 percent. you can you can do what you want and it doesn't matter if someone doesn't like it yeah, yeah. you're out of the cave yeah you're seeing the world and you're yeah. going holy fucking shit like this is like you see your mind your mind just changes like you automatically just go oh wow like where i'm from or even being here it doesn't matter it's just like seeing the world for what it really is all the highs and the lows of that and then realizing that you can pretty much do whatever you want and i think that's the biggest thing that's why i took so many friends to america like mm. I mean, dwight came with me you came with me because i was like man it's the shit that reality. i saw there was mm. crazy like and that's the it's the absolute best thing and i think that that's what people do need to do more of i think it's it's really easy just to shit on things that are happening here that feel out of the norm but the reality is like when someone's really pushing shit forward like you're doing stuff now to the point where it's celebrated worldwide and i know Mm. it's only scratching the surface of what you intend to do in the future Mm. do you look at shit that you're doing now when you do big things and go if because i i do this it's i'm like I have, I have trouble stopping and going, oh, this is fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Because like for me this year, I worked with Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine and I was like, it just kind of happened and I did it and it was just another job and I just got paid another small amount of money for it. And then I never really took that moment to stop and go, man, 16-year-old me would just absolutely be fucking losing their shit right now. It's like you could die today and everything would be fine. I feel like the more that you excel and the more that you do things and build, the, every time the business gets bigger, it's just personal mm. success. Are you surprised by what's happening or are you like, do you have a plan where you see ahead and you're like, I need to get to there. So what I'm doing right now isn't shit. Yeah. I mean, even for me now, it's like that constant chasing of, of gratification. It's almost like everything I'm like, oh, it's like, it's so small scale from what we need to be. Like everything, I, I mean, it's cool. It's the way we've grown and is great and all that, but I always want more. It's like, that, I mean, like the, the human dopamine hit, people mm. constantly want more. It's like using your phone. Why do you think you scroll nonstop? Because you constantly want a new dopamine hit. Like for me with business, um, like it's great that we've grown and got bigger, but like to me, we haven't even started. Like this is where I wish I could have started. So mm. we've got so much more to do. And that's like so, so many people in business, like you listen to, I listen to a lot of podcasts and you listen to these billionaires or millionaires or whatever they are. And a lot of them are like, oh, I think I thought I always wanted this or I always wanted that. And then you get there and you're just like, oh, is that all? Now, now it's the next thing. And that's like you're constantly chasing the next thing. So even for me, if it's money or whatever, not even that, if it's like the milestone you've set where I want to do X, I want to do Y, you get there and it's like, oh, cool now i want to go even further mm-hmm. and like everything we do if there's a great release that sells out or if there's a a boxing day sale with hundreds or thousands of, of kids there waiting well, that's cool but the next day you've forgotten about it mm-hmm. like i think if you rest in your laurels and be like i did this the world's passing you by while you're saying you've done that absolutely everything moves fast there is a balance to it though do you have a plan on what you're doing or are you kind of, of servicing the 
as opportunities come, are you maximizing them or are you like, no, in three years I need to be here? Uh, always, yeah, like a, there's, is, it, is a longer term plan. But again, I'm still learning and trying to work out. I don't know how to get there. 100%. Mm. I've had no, I've got no experience. I've got nothing. It's just, it's experience of what I've done in the business. People I've befriended and who I know now have done a lot more than me. Momentum you've created. Yeah. And the, like that's, it links back to the biggest thing is I still have not even friends, just acquaintances who I talk to. It's like, I don't understand how people here have egos. It's like, dude, you're in Perth. Like yeah. people are like, oh, I did this on Boxing Day. I did this on Black Friday. It's like a lot of brands do that in a day mm-hmm. in the rest For of real. the world, man. Like just get to reality. It's like I still I've got people I talk to who just have egos and they'll call and say this and that. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. There's heaps of people that are way bigger than you. So I don't know why you're trying to tell me that. No no, shit. Like, it does that, need to be room to celebrate your victories, but at the same time, you do need to stay grounded. Well, you just need to set your own milestones. And when you meet those milestones, like that's great, a personal celebration, but you can't sit and, and rest on those laurels. Like you don't want to stand stagnant in time. And I think most people who are in business or entrepreneurial or in like they have their own thing where they want to do something and make more and make change you've got to constantly have evolving and moving targets where you always and it's not even just a monetary thing it's like cool i want to get my product to this level i want my marketing to be on this scale i want our videos to be like this like six months ago we never made any videos and i was like our brand is very personable and likes interacting with people video is a great way to do that so we've started adding that in for me, the biggest thing links back to the whole thing of being yourself and being your own person is trying not to replicate others. But you see, like nothing is original. You see everything in your, no matter if you how hard you're trying to say, oh, this is my idea. Well, it's not because someone's bigger, someone's better, someone's smarter, someone's already done it. But you've got to take these things and then use the figment of your imagination and make it your own. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing in this industry is it's so funny watching people be like, yeah, this is ours. This is what we've done. I say, no, you haven't. No, you're yeah. a gallery. Like yeah. it's the same with anything. Is like you're a gallery, and you get to curate what goes in that gallery. Yep. And then the merch store of that gallery is your product. Mm. It's like literally you're creating something based on all of your influences, everything that you care about, everything that you're into, and everything that you've been into through the lens of your own sort of perspective or creativity. Mm. And then what comes out of that, people either connect with or they don't. And I think fortunately you found people connected with you early on. Mm. I didn't like certainly for the five or so years that I was there, we were doing stuff based on our own interests Correct. and our own sense of humor. And the, we were just trying to impress each other and our friends. Yep. And and it's, I, what, it's what, again, it's, it's an extension of yourself. So it's authentic, mm. but again, you're always going to get, there comes crossroads where you're going to get, there's a lot of things that people don't get and that's fine. You're going to get stuff that doesn't sell well or stuff that people don't like. But you have to focus, I think, on your core business and work around that. It's like you can't just make things because it's cool or because it's trendy because people will very soon find out, oh. It is an ingredient in the fucking, mm. in the pie though. You know what I mean? Like you can't completely ignore what's popular, right? Mm, to an extent. I mean, again, it's like for me, the biggest thing is t-shirts and hoodies. Mm. They'll never go out of fashion. They've been around forever. And that's my biggest bread and butter is t-shirts and hoodies. We've always done that. Um, and that's always been the focus. And then we add in a, a sportswear aesthetic. Like I'm not a dude who sits at home all day on the computer playing music, video games or listening to music. So I've always been ingrained in sport. 
um, I'm not a massive musical dude. So I'm not like, we're not doing jazz t-shirts or we're not doing like music purely things or like look at my record collection. That's just not who I am. Uh, and there's a lot of people like that. And we've done the collaborations with people where we've done things to that extent because that's what the collaboration is about is it's a combination of two different things. Your interest and my interest. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I know who I am. I love fighting. I love sports. I love that aesthetic. And I've always been a part of that. So it's so easy. It's like, oh, we need references. It's like, okay, I just look at the things I like. Mm. And then again, the business is far bigger than me and it can't just be everything what I like. And that's why you work with certain people. If it's Scott who's done design or, or Tom who does a lot of the stuff now. Or even the kids, I think that the, the kids that you work with now, like the kids that are in the store and mm. stuff, even though they're not, not necessarily giving creative direction, you're getting an understanding of like, who they are and what they're into yeah, on like a person they, it's connecting yeah. with them in a personal level and that influences these things and the way they dress it goes like they don't have to say oh, why don't you do this why don't you do this song like, you see the way they dress the way they combine certain items of clothing together and then it, it links back you can't focus like you've got to focus one on obviously your core business and what you are but then especially nowadays with social media there's the whole idea of imitation and, and things and copying and all that for me, the biggest thing is if your business is reliant on replicating what other people are doing, are doing sorry, you will never succeed. It's like the um, low-end disruption. The incumbent will always win if you just replicate what they do and keep doing it. Yeah, because they've got, so they've got more money. Yeah, They've got everything. They, like you might win. Market share yeah, already. You'll win for two years and you will disrupt that market and be like, oh, wow, this is the new guy. But give it 10 years, the incumbent's going to win. And that's the biggest mistake that so many people do. It's like, no one can replicate what I'm doing because I'm a bit of a weird person, but that's who I am. Like someone else can't come and replicate that. And that's why I love it. And that's why I love involving myself in the business. Uh, and obviously the business is far more than me, but then it, you look at the colors, the products, whatever it is we do, the way it's styled, the way it's photographed, that's our own authentic thing. It's not trying to be a replication of Bob's brand down the road. Yeah. And that's that's what you see so many net and so nowadays you see so many brands who are like that and that's how they exist. It's definitely got a unique perspective now. Like even in the marketing and stuff, it feels like definitively Australian without being mm. cheesy. Whereas like ninety nine percent of streetwear just looks American yeah. and it's meant to look American. And it's like, oh, if we look like we're on Fairfax, then we're gonna we're but, gonna make it. But that works for some. It some, works for some brands. Eighteen months. Yeah, some brand. I mean, some brands have got no face. Um, some brands have make cool designs and they stood the test of time and mm. do well it's like every, everyone's everyone's different and everything everyone has their own niche it's the ones who will be interesting to see who lasts the longest like you see some who are just so jaded and ego driven and like the biggest thing for me learning in business i was always so involved and such a control freak whereas now i'm like i try and do nothing because i know like there's so many things i'm shit at like the last few days, which have been so busy, I've been packing orders and I'm like, this is fucked. I haven't done this for so long and I'm so bad at it and all the guys at the warehouse are so much better. I'm like, I'm good at my little job I do. They're really good at their job. So that's, I should let them do their job. Yeah, you let people specialize. Yeah, and you like pay people to do their job well. Well, for me, the biggest thing is bringing in good people and paying them to do things that I'm shit at. Yeah, like they're, way, they're specialists. Pay for talent. Yeah. But you're in a position now where you can do that. It's mm. less, like it's still DIY in all the ideas. Yeah. It's still yeah. DIY in every sense. It's not like you're 
taking holidays and rolling no, around on a fucking no. jet ski. But it's like, no, I can actually just spend my time really focusing more on what's going on. You spend more to make more. You bring in the right people. You spend more to bring them and to set up the foundation. And then you, ideal, or me, ideally focuses on the thing which I think propels the business forward. And that's the thing is it's like everything works in cogs. Like you can't just do everything. You invest in yourself, right? Mm. And then you look at like even like other businesses, like one I really like is Ruka. We've got a collaboration coming out with, they got bought out for millions years ago. And now they're a 110 or $120 million company. Like it's massive. Um, and their owner is someone I've always idolized. And for me, collaborating with them is like one of the biggest things ever because it's like, whoa, this guy's done everything that I want to do. Like he's really <clears throat> jujitsu surfing. He's so interconnected within the industry. And he's just a completely normal person. Mm. And, and that, they did it their own way because that yeah. wasn't what streetwear was built on at all. No. And it's like, again, the whole, like we mentioned earlier, the whole fight aesthetic has always been such a frowned upon thing, especially in the Australian marketplace. Whereas like the Ruka sports stuff is like an artistic division of that where no one looks well, at it. Well, you notice tasteful. that when you look at products on the Ruka website, it says technical MMA. Yeah. It's like it's driving it away from that mm, from what it know, was. kickboxing or yeah. whatever, you know. It's technical. It's a sport. It's it's an athlete thing. But just, it's the whole aesthetic and the I mean, again, that links back to the whole, like that thing that happens over time and experience and how things are put together. It's not something that you just go, yep, yeah, we're going to do that. But like it takes a lot of time and effort and planning evolves, to do and so, build yeah. And the biggest thing is that's all come from experience and seeing things over time and then implementing it over time. And like you watch, if you even look at that brand, you look at all the different type of people who are involved with the models, the specific type of fighters. They don't all have to be world champions. They don't all have to be the best guy in each division. Yep. But you look at the aesthetic, like someone like a Rockhold, super good looking, great surfer, uh, a jiu-jitsu guy. And MMA, like he's a big yeah, MMA. Cheeto. Like, yeah, like you have all these yeah. different types of guys and you've got Rose Namahunas. Mm-hmm. All these different guys, women, different And they embody the brand. Yeah, they're yeah. not just picking, cool, who's the champs we got to get there? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you look at some fight brands, which are very much fight brands like that. And that's what I really like, like even um, with the Ruka thing that we were like, oh, they, the Ruka guy here was like, who do you want to get in the stuff? And for me, obviously, like, if you could get like a Rockhold or Pushesh or any of those massive guys they've got. Who are doing like mm. fucking watch commercials yeah. and shit. Yeah. For me, yeah. I was like, holy shit, those people again. Like that yeah. was like a little kid moment for me. Um, and then a cool thing, like one of my friends, oh, and you know Rod, mm. and you know Rod too, he's trained with Boracina, Paulo Costa. So I was like, oh, we could get him. Like that's a big name. And they were like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it comes down to each brand has their own aesthetic. And then if you don't know what that aesthetic is, then you don't know what your brand is. Mm. And like, if you're just like, cool, who's the champion? Who's the most famous? Who's got the most followers? Can we get them? And that's where you see these guys rise to fame, like a Sean O'Malley, or now you've got George Cambosis, the Aussie boxer. Mm-hmm. Brand. All these people jumping on now because they're the big name but then what? where where are they in five years so it's exactly. like you need to invest in the right like Ruka's done like the guys they've invested and the women over time haven't just because they've lost they've got rid of them so they've kept like you need to invest in these people and consistency and double down and yeah it's like it's consistency with sport or business or anything you need to keep grinding away and chipping away mm-hmm. and doing that and people need to understand that like you, I can't let you brush over that like brand is brand is an idea of who you are mm. 
that's what it is. It's not a fucking logo. It's not the color scheme. It's not the way your social media looks. It is, it's like the well that you go to when, if someone came to you, like if um, we used to talk about this all the time, if a skateboarding company came to you and said, mm. we want to do a collaboration at the time, it wouldn't have made sense because no. you're like, I'm not trying to jump into skateboarding because yeah. I never skated growing up. Mm. That's understanding your identity, understanding yeah. what your brand is. But when Rusty came, I remember people being like, oh, that's a weird collaboration. It's like, no, it's not. We fucking grew up yeah, in yeah. the northern suburbs and surf growing up. Like, that's the best collaboration. Yeah. You don't need to lie about it. You don't need no, to be easy, like, you're not to posturing it's, it's to, to, to benefit yourself, you know? And that's what brands like Ruka and that are fully embodied. And the ones that really stand out and last a long time, you know exactly who they are. Mm. And it doesn't need to be a person, but you know, and that's what people want to do is they want to align with a brand that actually represents something that, means something to them mm. it doesn't need to be fanatical when people are just dick riding and jumping from trend to trend yeah, to trend yeah. to trend it's, it's like picked up but that's the thing is like especially with brand and a, a business or whatnot the fact that you, you need those core customers because that's and then that's where it comes where you get you've got that group of customers who really care and like your product and then that's where the negative side comes because you've got people who are like fuck that yeah. And that means you're doing something right because mm -hmm. you've got such core loyal customers who desire your product. Of course, you're going to have naysayers. Mm -hmm. That's part of the whole deal. And that's where that whole thing is. You don't have, hey, you're not doing it right as corny as it sounds. It's a great way to summarize it because you've got, like you were saying, all these loyal people who really like it. As we all know, we don't live in a perfect world. When so many people like something, you're going to get fucking way more that hate it. You'll get people that like it and people that fuck with you but the people that like fuck with you really heavy in the beginning are going to be the ones that hate you the most on that second run. We spoke about this when we were talking about the nightclubs. People are ready to jump on something that elevates them. They're like, yeah, yeah I'm with fucking Street X. I'm doing this and this. And then you'll see them like a year later and they've got like a androgynous fringe and they're moving to Berlin and they're like, no, Street X is fucking lame, man. Like, But it's so true. It's like watching over the 10 years I've done this, watching the ebbs and flows of people come and go. And it's funny because you watch them go all in, like you said, they change for a bit, they come back and they'll see a certain piece they'll buy. And that's how the brand progresses. Things get better and change and every season elevates and whatnot. Like I've got friends who would never wear Street X and then we'll do a certain product and like, whoa, that's really cool. Like I really want to get that. Mm -hmm. And then like, again, you can't please everyone. I think if you're so focused on like, I want every single person alive to wear it, which I would love, but it's never going to exist. Like you can't think like that. You're you can only control the things that you can control. Mm. Oh, shit. How do you feel like as you as a person, obviously the brand and, and I've done this as well with like a lot of things that I've done, your identity is very tied up in street eggs, mm. but you're also a boyfriend. You've got a long-term girlfriend you live with. You've got dogs. Mm. You've got a mom. You've got all those things. Like how much does... When does StreetX sort of stop becoming a job when you are yourself? Or do you find that it's just kind of an amalgamation of everything? I mean, for me, I don't even look at it. I don't look at it like a job. Like for me, like obviously I love doing it and I love everything we do. But like there's so many times where I can, I zone out. Like I just go and chill out. I watch a movie. I play with my dog. Or do I see you, you like go down south with Liz yeah. or you just, you have like times where you're just doing things Things, like yeah. i've got very so many hobbies like the best thing i like doing with street x is using that as a platform to heighten those hobbies like yeah. say if it's jiu-jitsu or mma a lot of my close friends are professionals i mean i'm not that at all 
but I can live vicariously through them and through the brand because we can use that to support them and then we can use that to make our own stuff. That's the main thing. You can thing. elevate the people yeah, around you. Yeah, and that's the main thing that I like about the brand idea is, cool, I've got something that I like. Cool, we can do it. The brand is is like that where it can ebb and flow and it can change different things because I've always been so into sports. So it's not like, wow, this guy is trying to do a new sport. It's like, man, I've always done these things mm. it's, it's an easy thing to adapt where did the deadlift thing start by the way i didn't ask you that i just saw it happen <laughs> so that was i've been the most you see me so much <laughs> shit for going to the gym as well i've always been the most anti-weights person um and when i hurt my shoulder that's when i first got into cycling because it was the one thing that put no pressure on my shoulder so i was cycling and running that was all i was really doing i didn't do jiu-jitsu uh, I didn't box. I didn't do anything. I didn't surf. I can literally put all the pressure on your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally nothing. And I'm and I'm a social person, so cycling is great for the social aspect. But as I finally uh, went and saw a surgeon, who said it's not a matter of if I need the surgery; it's a matter of when. And I was sort of like, "Fuck!" Like I've always heard so many like horror stories of surgery where you do one, the other one goes, or the rehabs are a nightmare. Me being the absolute meathead, saw one physio at first, was like, oh, you need to do this rehab plan. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's too light. Like, I don't want to just do something where I don't get in their work. Yeah, they're like, just lift your arm five times yeah. a day. It's like, fucking just give me So she was like, all right, go heavy. And I went heavy and I was like, I'm in severe pain. <laughs> and then I had the uh, cortisol shots. I had two cortisol shots, same thing. They were like, you're going to be pain-free. So I was like, God, I'll waltz back to training instantly within three, again. Yeah, three days yeah. done um so long story short saw the surgeon went to do another round of rehab um and then one of the guys i trained with ant who's a power lifter has had shoulder problems before and years ago when uh i wasn't fighting but all the boys were fighting i was training with them at this at ant's gym and i hurt my back and i've fucking never gone back since so he was like ah i'll help i'll finally get you back so he put me on the shoulder rehab program. We started light and did more. And I was like, man, it's actually feeling really good. Still wasn't training. Back to the physio nonstop. Physio was eventually, this is all fast forward. Eventually physio was like, you needed the big compound movements, deadlifts and all this stuff. And I was like, how the fuck is deadlifts going to help my shoulder? But whatever. Spoke to Ant he was like, yep. And I was seeing another a movement guy too who was also helping me. Um, so I started the deadlifts. Literally never deadlifted in my life. So the first session did 100 and I was like, what the fuck? This is so like 100 kilos. That's pretty good for your first yeah. fucking go. And he helped me straight through it. So it wasn't like you just walk in and pick yeah. up. Yeah, you're yeah, doing it yeah. safely. So it was probably the first four weeks. I was like, oh, wow, I can actually lift some weights. And my shoulder felt a little bit better. And I was still doing the shoulder rehab with Anne at the same time. And then it got to, I think, like mid-November. And I was sort of like, oh, I'm gonna, I, I always aim high. I was like, I'm going to do 150 by Christmas thinking that's not going to fucking happen at all. But that's because all the boys in our gym group chat, Rod couldn't do that much. So <laughs> I'm going to... Breaking gonna, news yeah. here, folks. Rod cannot deadlift 150 kilos. Daniel so, said it. So yeah. I was sort of just like, oh, I'm obviously going to do more than you. And I, it was one of those things where I just didn't think at all. And then I kept doing the sessions down. He was like, you can actually... There's an attainable way of doing this. So I was like, oh, I've never had a PT before. Long story short, eventually ended up doing 170 and my shoulder is the most pain-free it's ever been. Like yeah. I've got, still got a lot of issues with the joint and the bone because there's, the cartilage is missing, so it's rubbing bone and bone. So I still feel those sharp points. But the overall stability, I can train again. Like yeah. I, the first time I've ever um, 
I've the first time in a year I've done stand up grappling was last week. So it's the first time I've trained. So for me, never ever thinking deadlifts meant anything mm. to now I'm like, once the new year comes, I'll mm. keep doing that. Because I'm at the age now where it's like you almost need a once you've rehabbed, you need a prehab. Yeah, no yeah, shit. Fully. Because you get to the point where your body's always sore, something always happening, and especially when it's jujitsu, it's your the whole art of jujitsu is manipulating your opponent's joints. So and it's, it's all it's comes really, down to balance, man. Like yeah. you need to have a good body balance, otherwise shit just goes. But it's amazing to see like the biggest thing with that, which was Ant sort of explained, is you get these newbie gains where it's like I suppose it's like again like we talk with authenticity in business like you might have two big years where you do well but then it then it's a grind yes mm. where same same thing with like this whole plateauing thing he's like for the first six months you might not even six months it's too long but where i'm at now is i'm probably gonna hit a peak and be like i'm not just gonna go 170 180 that's not how it works no. you get to a point diminishing and then, returns and the biggest thing i've noticed with jiu-jitsu which i've always done on and off for a long time is so many people come and so many people go. Someone will listen to a Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> I'm going to come in and fuck dudes up. And then you see. And that links back again to the authenticity thing because you've got a finite amount of time. You need to pick what you want to do. Like for me now, my shoulder's a lot better. Jiu-Jitsu is one of my main focuses now. I'm a bit older. I don't like getting punched in the head as much. Um, cycling I like, but I'd rather do Jiu-Jitsu. Mm so that's that's my focus and like surfing or whatever it is when i can but when we get to the age right now if you've got a business or whatever you need to focus and pick and choose you can't fucking do everything you can't can't. do everything otherwise you end up sucking at everything at everything (laughs) yeah and i hate sucking at shit (laughs) or just not putting enough into each individual thing and it's just like you just become like a guy that kind of does a bunch of things Mm. badly but it's like it's the, the, the day and age we live in now like that exact topic exists in business because you've got Instagram and all these social media influencers with their get rich quick schemes. Like it's been more prevalent in my life now than ever watching people who like, you don't make, it's not real. Mm -hmm. You don't get good at sport like that. You don't make money like that. You might get one win. It's like the whole trading, like every second friend now is a day trader. Every Mm. second friend is an investor. Every second friend's got a new business idea. Like that's cool and it's great if you can make money, but that's not reality. You mm. might have one in five mates or one in 10 mates who do it, but a million dollars is not a lot of money. Yeah. Like you can get that, but it's like in our day and age now, day and age now money, like that's yeah. not a lot of money. Yeah, go quick. Like when you're young, I was like a million dollars. Like that's, I'm, I'm retired. Mm. Whereas now it's like that can get you something, but like you pay tax, you do all these things. It's like, it's not much money at all. It isn't, no. And when you get older, you need to think long-term. It's like, cool, if you want to have kids or if you want to do that, these people need to be like, you need to be able to look after Mm. your family. Mm. But then again, there's the other argument, do you live day by day and just fucking enjoy yourself? Yeah, you never know because you you never know what's going to happen. You need that. And that's one of my biggest dilemmas now is like, obviously the business is doing great, but all I do is work or train. And in the last two years, you haven't traveled or done anything. So it's like, do you have fun on the side? What do you like? Where do you find that thing? And that's what I struggle with where I'm like, I just do training and work most of the time. It's a super fucking hard balance now, man, because you're the same as me where you would do your traveling. Your traveling would be your relaxing. You're like, oh yeah, I'm going away. And you go away five times a year. I was always going away. Like in the prime of that, I was going away sort of three, four times a year for three weeks or a month or five weeks so when you're trapped here you're like okay well 
I'm fucking here, so I'll just work. I'll get ahead or I'll train or I'll, mm. you know, you just concentrate on those things because you kind of diminish the, the social aspect of, of here because you're like, you know, I'll go to people's birthdays or I'll go to like major functions, but I'm not out every weekend yeah, trying yeah. to fucking have fun. Yet when you go away, you just like kind of party for like a month day. and it's like beneficial for your business and everything. So this period of being mm. essentially stuck here has been super confusing, like in a social aspect because you're like, oh, I don't really fucking do much. Yeah. But the reality is that your life entailed so much external places that you needed to go to, you know? It's just such a weird thing because on one hand, you're like, you want to experience life and you want to see all these things. But on the other hand, to be successful and do all these things, like you need to be relentless. You can't just, oh yeah, I'll just go out tonight and then tomorrow I'll go chill and do this the next day that. Like for me, I know for my business and for a lot of things I listen to or read, it's like you have to be consistent and relentless and keep doing these things. You have to forgo certain things. And that's the way I view it is you have to do it that way. But where do you draw the line and choose, cool, this is the time I'm going to have to myself. This is the time I'm going to do this. This is the time that I'm going to dedicate to my craft or what I want to do. And that's what I'm still trying to work out is where is the point where do you draw the line for certain things? Where do you say no? Where do you say yes? I think you I think you get a good gauge on that as you get older. Like mm. I know for myself now, I need like I need three hours a week, like maybe three sessions in the gym mm. per week to feel like at equilibrium. Like I can deal with the rest of the shit. So if you if you put that okay, okay, I need three hours. I'm gonna do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm gonna do it from six thirty to seven thirty. That's that time. Um, I think as you get older when if you if you lose an hour you you start to be cognizant of the difference in your own moods and shit like you're only 30 you're only 30 right yeah i'm nearly 37 so it's funny like the jump from 30 to like to mid 30s to mid 30s is a real kind of it happens quick it does but it's very transformative like Mm. Especially my last sort of mm. section, it's a lot of shit's been packed in, um, and it's interesting because you know I think back, my dad, um, I went, I remember his fortieth birthday, and we were living in Bahrain. I was old enough to remember his fortieth birthday, so I must have been, you know, year four, yeah. year five. Um, he had two kids and was living in a foreign country, married and shit. And I'm here yeah. doing a podcast with you two fucking idiots. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, like, like, what the fuck? My, yeah, my, my dad, so they, my parents came from South Africa here with nothing. Um, they had a bit of money saved and he had my brother in South Africa and then came and he was 32 and he had me, left his country, had a tra- like had a skill so he knew what he was going to do and then came and he was very successful here and done very well for himself. But like I was like, a fuck, if I could have... Done. If I had a kid now and was moving to a foreign country with nothing, no shit, like you'd be he, fine. He came here with ten thousand, yeah. ten thousand rand, which is nothing yeah. in Aussie dollars. Like even for me, just it's such a weird thing to imagine that moving with no social media back then, mm-hmm. no nothing, no no knowing no one, moving to another foreign world. Like think about it doesn't. I mean, that's not the reality I've lived in where I've never thought I'm going to do that. All of our parents did it. Yeah. Like my parents is exactly the same story as yours. But bro, like if you, if today, right, if he was to move to South Africa, Mm. he would know where he's going to be living. He'd know what the place looks like. He looked it up on Street View. Yeah, you've seen it. You know where the nearest Starbucks is. You you can do your diligence first. I have a lot of respect for these people. Like my mum and her dad came here knowing on a nothing. boat knowing from nothing. England, you know, and knowing nothing. They end up in fucking Fairbridge Farm or whatever in some yeah. hellhole. 
you just went and you hoped for the fucking best. But that's why you can see so many older people have such differing opinions to younger generations because they've a lot of them have been like my parents lived through apartheid in South Africa. Mm-hmm. They've been through and seen hardship and seen things happen. And that's where I suppose you get a lot of things where people now are like, the government is doing this, the government's mm. doing that, because they've come from countries where the government has, has done. done these yeah. things. For real. Um, like my mum's partner's from former Yugoslavia where you saw atrocities committed. Yeah, he's like, the like, like this shit can turn bad yes, immediately. Yes, things have been, like things have happened. People have been murdered. Like, And that's the thing is you, you listen to these people's opinions and it's so easy to brush them off. Because you've never experienced, like we've seen a street fight outside mm-hmm. and that's just like, oh, someone mm. got glassed and it's a big thing. Like that's big news for us. Whereas these people have been through, like, and it's so hard while you're listening and disagreeing with their opinion to then be like, hold on, these people have seen what I've seen in movies. In and you can't tell them. them that they're wrong. No. I think that's the thing that is happening now is like people are like, these people have different opinions to me. That's ridiculous. Mm. They must be idiots. It's like, no, maybe they've just lived through a different reality that you have. It doesn't mean that your point's any less or any more. You've got to respect people's life experience. I remember when I saw George Masvidal campaigning for Trump and I was like, that seems pretty strange. He was like, you guys don't understand what socialism is because he was from Cuba and socialism like killed his grandparents and like fucked up his whole family and that and seeing the 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 table spin the other way but everyone was like oh bernie sanders and he's like it doesn't necessarily mean that um socialism is going to be as bad as it was for him but his perspective on that was like anything is better than that so i'm good with this dude for whatever else he says but everyone would be like oh he's a He's a Trump supporter. He's a fucking moron. Yeah. It's like you need to look at the reasons why people do things. But people don't. And that's the thing is people will jump to conclusions without. And that's the biggest thing like we've discussed the whole time is experience. And so many people don't have it, yet they want to broadcast their opinion. That's it. But you don't know what the experience of the people that are coming after you is at the same point. In the same way that they're coming to you. That's why I said before, I'm like, you can't be like, or you're you're fucking crazy because you certainly yeah. appear to be crazy in that sense. But it's like it's like they've obviously you, been through an experience that's caused them to lash to, out. to lash out in that yeah. way. I think that the only way you can hope to get some understanding for that is by leaving yourself open to having that understanding. Mm. But there's as we were saying before, there's no dialogue there that that no. is going to lead to that. And you, when someone's yelling at you, you can't be like, "Hey, are you okay?" Because <laughs> that I, fucking ends terribly. A lot of the time, it makes it worse. Yeah, but I think even for me, it's like you just gotta. the more experience you get like say if you've been through like our parents who've all come from different places they've been through that and they've gone and got experience elsewhere to now formulate opinions and views based on that life and journey Mm. they're not basing all their opinions still on where they're from Mm -hmm. i'd imagine they all change those opinions through their experience and adaptations to their environment now and they're imparting that on the people they care about which is their kids Mm. right and like in our situation now it's quite different where like before we started this podcast i went on the green reapers one Mm. and i'd been going through like just real bad times after dad died like mental health stuff which Mm. i'd never dealt with before in my life i had no intention of talking about it whatsoever because i didn't spoke to anyone about it but we started talking and i was just kind of like it sort of came out and i left there feeling like super embarrassed and like fuck i fully overshared and stuff Mm. But having been through those experiences like 36, 37 years old, 
And then even just saying that I'd been through them and that it was a fucking pain in the ass and that it's something I have to deal with now and I sort of changed my focus and navigation a little bit to understand that that's part of the process. So many people hit me up, like way more people than have ever hit me up being like, I like this song or like, I like this design. So many people like not on some fake shit, like people that we all know, we're just like, dude, I I go through this shit every fucking day. But that's the thing is everyone does. Like it's no matter, even for me, it doesn't matter outgoing as charismatic you are, you or every single person like i've had anxiety stuff my whole life and i've always gone through like my flying fear of flying mm. was a basic thing that i've always had and it's not just it's the flying it's the anxiety of being around people in a, in a confined confined space which i still have now as i've got older i've learned how to handle and realize that everyone has it every single person struggles with anxiety because there's always the fear there's always something that's going on What's well, the spectrum? The thing is that when it hits a point where it's not manageable in the sense of like, you actually don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. It's crazy. So like yeah. to do that at like 36, I was just like, this is what the fuck? Like I thought I had everything figured out in I'm life. Sure. And then it's just like, boom. And you just get hit with this thing where I was like, I'm literally going to the doctors because I think that I've got some sort of fucking like degenerative disorder where my body's curling on itself. And they're like, that's anxiety. I was like, I don't feel anxious about anything. But that's where experience, like that experience now will change you and the way you react to things because you've you've been through it. And that's the problem is if you haven't been through that and then someone tries to explain it to you, it's like, God, listen to this fucking (laughs) Dude, and the the, the longer that you talk about, like we spoke about prison, we've spoken about Bali bombings, we speak about like all the stuff that you're dealing with and and the stuff that you're doing, the more you speak to people and the more the people are like, the thing that I'm like super proud of with this is that like, everyone that we've had on has been super fucking honest, like to the point that I, of, of what I know them, they're, they're just like, eh, I don't really give a shit what you think about me. This is what's my situation is. This is how I feel about it. And people speaking like openly about that, that sort of stuff. There is always going to be people that will hear this or will be told by someone else or however it goes and feel like, when shit's so fucked they're like oh well i i know that other people have got through this or i know that people mm. have dealt with this and i think that's like maybe a positive thing now that's happening with like i'm very very um cynical so when something shit goes on on social media i'm like eh, are you playing this up just to no fucking shit. but there is a lot of people that will be like for example the girl that pulled out at the um the tennis mm. for mental health yeah. stuff that's not a piece take. Like anyone that knows anything about people that are in competitive sport trying to get to the top, there's no guarantee that she's playing another fucking Grand Slam. Yeah. Absolutely not. It's an unfathomable amount of pressure that they're under. Yeah. And she was like, look, I know like I'm young and I need to have a big life ahead of me and it's not going to fucking happen not if I it. go down this road right now. This is why I fuck with Nick Kyrgios as well. Like mm. he did this sort of a similar thing in more in private where he's just like, my mental health is fucked. I don't care about tennis. I need to be alive in order to Which is pretty do wild that at that age they can have the maturity to do that. And mm. But I think like it's because it. they have so much information now where yeah. like, it's because like think of that pressure is just like, even if you were a professional sportsman, mm. when we were kids, you would have agents, management, and you'd have ESPN, Sports Tonight, and like four things that you needed to do. But now it's like, oh, you need to run yourself as a business. You better be fucking likable. You better feel this way about vaccines. You better be on this side of this. And you also better be up at five o'clock every morning training as hard as 600 other people and and then you might make it. No shit. 
it's weird. I mean, the, the whole anxiety thing is very strange because it's not like quantifiable. It's not measurable when someone says it. And I'm like you, I'm a bit cynical as well. I'm trying not to be, but mm. how much of it is like just fear of the unknown mm. mislabeled. And I try and use it. For me, it was when I started jujitsu, I'd often, I think I've spoken about it on here before, is I'd give myself excuses as to why I didn't want to go. Yeah. And it was, it was, you know, when you really drill down on it, it's just that not knowing what you're doing. Yeah. But being comfortable with the fact that you don't know what you're doing and that you're not meant to know what you're doing mm. and that's fine. And then that just showing up is like everything getting your head around that and just being like, yeah, I know I feel like I don't want to be there, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to warm up and I'm going to know. And I'm going to be I'll, tell, I'll tell you guys right now, one thing like what you're talking about is feeling anxious, which is feeling anxious, which, mm. and as you said, like everyone has it and it can be fucking debilitating. Like anxiety needs a fucking rebrand because anxiety is not that. Well, like I can tell you right now, like when, when I, so just to, just to clarify that like when I'm talking about it, it's like, a very fucking unknown. So I'm it's the same physical, as you guys and everything. It's a physical thing. I and then get you're it. sitting there and you're like, why the fuck is yeah. my body curling? My problem like is people labeling it's all, yeah. feeling, anxious feeling anxious as, as anxiety. An, exactly yeah. right. And yes. then that's the thing. And it, it makes sense, right? Because they'd be like, I'm feeling anxious. Yeah. Like, even when I've dealt with it before, I was like, I told my mom, I'm like, look, I don't know what the fuck. I can't see you today because my I don't know what the fuck's going on. I didn't sleep because my feet won't stop fucking like kicking out. It's just some dumb shit, right? It's like hard to quantify and she'd be like what's going on like what's what are you anxious to? it's like it's not that man like it needs another fucking word for real yeah because when you haven't experienced it can't explain it. you can't explain it but when you have when, the, the day that you do someone you'll just be like holy fucking shit this is a thing like and mm. like i said it's like 36 it comes out of absolutely fucking nowhere from well not out of nowhere but it's like something no i've never shit. experienced before so you start to respect it in that sense and i think exactly what you guys are saying is like people are mistaking like they're like i suffer from anxiety it's different labels mm-hmm. yeah and it's like it's weird though you know like the like you're touching on when you had your experience when something that affects you so weirdly so quickly and in a physical sense, it's really quite perturbing. Like I had a panic attack for the first time ever. And I'm talking, it was like seven, eight years ago, but I'd convinced myself in the shower one night that I had ball cancer <laughs> and I, I just ran it through my head and I believed like I had it for a second and it grabbed me physically to the point where I was like on my knees on the floor in the shower, convinced I was going to be dying of, of testicular cancer. And How long I, did it last? Man, I was on the floor for maybe three or four minutes. And then I got up and I was like, fuck, it kind of just weighed, weighed off. But I was like, that was the first time that something that was in my mind had affected... Controlled I, your body. I fucked myself yeah. by thinking it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, and that, that, I suppose, gives me a little bit of understanding, I suppose, as to what you're talking about. It's not something you can control. It's not something you can kind of really even uh, know is going to come on. It just hits you and, and there's nothing you can fucking do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's fucking wild. But I think that now, like, people are able to talk about that shit in some sense, like, not run it as a fucking platform. But you can just say, like, I could not give a fuck. Like, that doesn't seem, sound weak to me. It doesn't sound weak to me that that shit would happen. You know what I mean? But, like... I think when I was younger, it was like, you're trying to be, I can deal with anything. Everything's all fucking good. But the more now that people actually talk openly, because they don't need to talk openly about issues like anxiety is just something that we, we're using as a reference, but just to speak openly about shit and not care how they're perceived. Mm. 
like you were saying about like doing the fucking deadlifting and stuff like that you didn't come in here and go oh, i wonder if people on my social media are going to think i'm a fucking meathead if i say this or that it's yeah. like no just fucking speak like just speak and the more that you have conversation with people and the more that you actually are talking about like how you feel the fucking world is the better the better it is i suppose you've got to be i mean it links back to who you are as a person you've got to be grounded enough and believe in what you sort of know because even if people don't like that it's like oh well Mm. tough luck and it's like when again you get the cancelling people or the freaks order like i was telling you guys today <laughs> the new one that's fucking come after that's me. fucking wild do you but, want to do you want to say what that said or you no i don't want to say what not? it said but like Jesus i like the, the new one is like it's in, again it's insane that even someone waste their time messaging me no who's shit. a low like a, a clothing brand um but like a, yeah i've got messages of every single social media platform non- is it all the same name yeah all the same person because I checked their Instagram and there was no... Yeah, no, nothing. To give you context, like, not to say what it said, but it was, like, someone wishing, like, really poor harm <laughs> on people you love. And it's, like... Yeah. And then going, why don't you do the Boxing <laughs> Day sale for an extra day? <laughs> but that's what it's so interesting. It's, like, and then just non, like, non-stop phone calls. To the, I don't work at the shop that often, so I wasn't me getting the phone calls. And then just, like, saying really weird stuff to the was staff. Was it a guy or a girl? An, an older dude. But the thing is, like, it's it's so weird. It's like the fact that we've been speaking about this is comical and like I find quite interesting and funny because like if this person, their whole thing is wanting to get a reaction. But then on the other hand, it's like, how do you deal with those things? It's like for me, I mean, I'm at the point now where I've had it so often where I'm just like, man. Water off a duck's back. Are yeah, people like, just coming at you? Because I we only hear, I reckon I've probably only heard, heard of like six. Yeah, I've, I've literally got a Dropbox folder. <laughs> <laughs> like a numbered Dropbox folder of all the online stuff. Freak one. Yeah, freak like, like one of my mates was like, oh, man, I've told my mate about one of the psychos that's come after you. Have you got, do you remember that? I was like, oh, let me get my Dropbox <laughs> Because I'm just like, again, it's like some of the stuff is insane. And like I, I like having records of all this stuff. <laughs> Have you had death threats? No. Nah, but just this, this one's obviously like, no, but even it's just the weird thing. It's like it goes beyond me. It's like you're calling a shop that I'm not even at and talking to young guys. Staff. Yeah, like yeah. that that's where it then creates because that the mental health thing. If like if you're getting weird calls at your workplace, then there's the idea of what if someone comes to my workplace and if you're not that sure of yourself and then yeah. like there's that whole mm-hmm. there's that whole chain of events that then uh link from there. And it's just so weird because for me, like if I, I try and stay in as grounded as possible, like if we talk about the ego thing, it's like for me, it's trying to remove all of the ego. And that's why I like jiu-jitsu because I get fucked up all the time and I suck compared to my friends. Mm-hmm. Like you look at these people, I'm like, why? Like what we said before, why you me? Like I'm not even that someone. Why don't yeah. you focus on someone like what has compelled them to go after someone like me? Why don't you go higher? Maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, more about them than it is you. You know, maybe they do in fact see you as someone that deserves to be hunted after, and isn't that a compliment at the end of the day? You could almost <laughs> speak to people, speak to friends in Melbourne, because I'd spoke to quite a few friends in Melbourne over this period where they're locked down, mm. and they're like, "You start to go fucking stir." It's like if you just spend too much time by yourself. With a phone to see the world through. Yeah. And maybe they follow 200 accounts and you're the one that posts the most. Mm. And be like, this motherfucker thinks... It's like, <laughs> it's like, dude, it's just the only thing you have on your channel. Like, just yeah. follow some more people. 
but i don't know it's just it's, it's such an interesting thing like imagine like the whole anxiety thing where i've feel i've had problems with it before and then like you read books of these people who've been through his experience like ronaldo when he had the epileptic fit before mm. uh the 98 world cup final so this dude is one of the most famous football players of our generation in front of the whole world and like still to this day he, he was never diagnosed with epilepsy i'm fairly sure and he had a seizure before the world cup final and he was almost scapegoated as like it came out everything came out what happened and they lost the, the final three nil and they were they were the favorites to win it's like and it was all on him yeah and it's like it's the same with the beckham at the 98 when he got sent yeah. off and like how do these people recover from these things like i i've been like oh, i'm going somewhere and i'm feeling anxious or i've had issues where i'm like oh i felt a bit weird about myself how do these people function on that higher scale when there's that much on the line like again think about the guys walking out to a ufc fight like, yeah I'm, we were talking to jack about that like the concept of actually because you watch it and you just like oh yeah this is who's fighting this week yeah. but the idea of like a packed arena and then they just lock a door behind you and it's yes. just like this guy's going to try and kill you and you're going to get arrested every and five to, minutes yeah, that's why i respect sports stars again movie stars any of these people so much it's like think about one everything they would cop from people mm-hmm and then just mate, being able to do what they do on that scale. It's like any high-functioning individual. Like how – like I look at myself and the struggles I have and the things I do. How do these people who are so much better <laughs> at what they do than me yeah. exist on that level? Like, but it's the resilience, man. Like the resilience of people is absolutely fucking insane. Like I think if even if you would have said two years ago, like there's going to be a pandemic and this is going to happen – no one would have thought that it would have gone as quite as like chilled out as it has gone you can deal with anything because shit like you can do everything that you want to do but every now and then life will just fucking kick you in the face and you go well i gotta keep fucking going Mm. so i'll find a way to keep going and that's what people do like that's why when like you said like the beckham one was close to me because i was just like so in it and he was like such a hero of mine i had a mohawk yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you're like the, like the whole country turned on him what goes through your mind at that time but like, the reality is that what goes through your mind is like my mom still loves me yeah my wife still cares about me and that and then you're like that's really all that fucking matters yeah. and as long as i have that as long as i have that sort of core cool. thing i can rebuild in any which way that i want and i think that that's like what we all see with this shit especially with social media and all these things and like people putting their weird insecurities or whatever onto you some of that they don't know mm. all of these external factors can seem so fucking real and seem so huge but the reality is is like you're confident in who you are as a person Until you need to so you're like i'm fucking good like i'm way more sturdy than anyone that's coming at me mm. because you're not going at yeah. other people with your issues you can't waste your time like worrying about other people it's like we've said it so many times it's like if you're focused on what you want to do or know what you want to do why would you waste your finite time going after someone it's else? interesting because jack touched on that when we spoke to him and it's one of the things that resonated with me the most looking back now is he said that once you sign that contract there's an end date and you know that you're gonna to have to fight a man mm. at that time at that date and at that place and every time you close your eyes or go to relax in that time the first thing you think about is 
maybe he's fucking running or maybe he's hitting yeah. the bag or maybe he's drilling this or that. And now he's at a point where he's like, he feels so confident in what he's going to do and in what he's preparing for that that doesn't come into his mind. He's like, he can be running right now, but I know I need to rest and I'm still going to fuck him up. Yeah. And he's now gotten to that point. But at the start, it wasn't like yeah. that. But that's like experience and maturity. Exactly. Experience. Like, it's exactly. exactly what we've discussed about if it's business or whatever it is. At, over time, you get better. And that's again, if you don't have that time, like you can't get rich quick. You can't become a sports superstar overnight. Like you need that time. You can do. That's the thing is like you can get, you can get popular quick. Yeah. You can get, you can get money quick, but you can't. It's so easy doing. It's always so easy. You probably remember this, like doing it first. Yeah. Like when you're like, oh, I'm starting a clothing store, and all your friends are like, yeah, <laughs> and they like buy your shit, and you have that moment of just being like the person that's doing something yeah. before your motivation for that wanes. Everyone else's does, yeah. and you need to like try and make that work. And then, as you were saying with jujitsu and stuff, people come as soon as they hit that plateau. They're like, oh, "I don't really fucking like, care anymore." It's like, what do you have the staying power to do? And are you willing to see that next yeah. phase of it? And then willing to go through the adversity and get through the the years of turmoil. Yeah. And some of the years aren't fucking that adverse, and then other years are really like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Yeah. And then you hit a point where you're like, for me, like I'm 39 now, and I've been doing carving my own shit for that long where it's like when those adverse years come up or when times come up where i'm like oh fuck how am i going to do this i'm like well, you fucking better because you're not going to be able to do anything else like there's no other yeah. you know like for the first 15 years like for the first or maybe 10 years you're like i could still go and do like a plumbing apprenticeship if i fucking had to i could go to the mines or something i've like hit the point now where it's like can't do that you can't do anything else bro you're gonna have to really double down on whatever it is but yeah that's where some people like it just differentiates people because some people do have that belief and a lot of other people don't and that's why there's different levels and different types of people some people are made to do certain things and that's i mean it doesn't make them any lesser of a person that's what they've chosen to be do you have um do you have total confidence in what you're doing yes but I also have total confidence and understanding that I need to bring in better people too. Yeah. Like you can't do everything yourself when I know I'm not. I mean more like confidence in the fact that you are a guy that has a clothing company and you're like, that's, that's what I'm fucking doing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I've done it for, for I mean, it's the thing is I just feel like I've just touched the surface. Like there's so much potential and so much opportunity where I'm like, there's so much more to do. Like I've done the most basic bare minimum. Like we started spending money on marketing probably a year and a half ago. Yeah. Two years ago, maybe. Uh, we started spending money on videos and proper campaigns six months ago. Um, like we've done everything pretty much bootstrapped for so long. Like there's so much. To me, I'm just like this. We haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg. And that's why I'm like, I'm so like sure of what we can do because I know what we've done with so little. Mm. Um, so I just look at it as like it's the opportunity when you do have more, there's so much more to do. Mm. And like, I've got so many consistent ideas and, and I still wake up every morning and day wanting to do it. So it's not like I'm like, oh, so you're golden because that's the thing is when, if you're still waking up wanting yeah, to yeah. do it, you're fucking laughing. Mate, a new delivery for me is like Christmas when I was a kid, I used to remember waking up at four. Still, and, yeah. yeah. Whereas now when I get new deliveries, I'm like, can't wait to see all the stuff. And if it's a fucking, there's a problem, then I'm like a little sport brat. <laughs> and that's what it's like. That's where I still know. Like I've got so many ideas of why I want to do other things and different things and be involved but again it's like you can't do everything no and you're creating a platform so it's not like you can't 
continuously do different things like you, you can always choose to do different things it's mm. like that doesn't mean that street x doesn't have to be a thing anymore it's just like you're just giving yourself a, a space to express yourself and right now that expression is street x yeah and then as long as i think as long as you're invested in it and you like it and that's what you want and that's what you want to do no matter what it is it's it's going to work i think it's when you start getting an ego and start being like this is it has to be this no nah, i didn't hit this or no, we can't do that. I'm too cool to do that. Like, especially in the, the industry. I mean, you see that so often where there's just dudes with egos who refuse to bring in better people or think they're the best. Like, you've got to be a realist. You've got to understand. And it starts to die with them. You yeah. see it just start to drop off. And you, you've got to understand that it's regardless of business, anything. Like, you've got to know, cool, I'm not good at this. How can I get better at that? It's like sport. You Cool, I'm not good at that aspect of my sport how do i get better at that and you're a fan of it like you were the thing that the thing that a takeaway that people should have like when i knew you before you would hit puberty <laughs> when you were 17 you literally were like a fan of streetwear the same way that i was like yep. a fan of football like soccer yeah like you were like a like you knew everything about like all the brands you like that was your thing yeah. you were fully into it well that's why i love like the boxing day thing now so much because i'm like I was so adamant, like so wild like these kids are now. So that's why every fucking sale or every big thing we do, of course I want to be there because that's exactly what I was like. So I want to see that and it like revitalizes you because you see there's still people like what you were and it's stupid. Like for me, like it was, for me, A-Life was the big one when I was a kid and I was like, wow, like I always wanted to aspire to be like that and see that. So now and you're watching kids like, if a kid want to ask me for a photo or a kid wants to like come in store and they're like talking to me, I'm like, man, that's so fucking cool that like people are still, yeah, yeah, people the, like, I'm just like, okay, well, I'm imagine thinking. if you had access to like the A-life people, the way that yes. some kids have access to you. Yeah. And for me, and like, even now, like still going, like that's when I still, when I meet some of my friends in the U S who are friends with these big people and I've, I've been to cool parties and met people and I've just stood there like, yeah, it's a trip. <laughs> These are the people I follow on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Have you met that Tony dude, the guy that started A-Life? No, I've never met anyone from I've met okay. Ian Strange is like really good friends with him. I'll, I'll try and like link you yeah, guys Yeah, I've up. never met. I've met. That's the one brand. Uh, I've met a lot of dudes who've worked at Supreme. A lot of guys have been involved there. All these cool different brands. Um, but A-Life was the one when I was, I think I was 15 or 16. I went to America. With my, I was been year 12 with my mum. And they went, she was with one of her friends and they went and I got the subway. Like I never can catch public transport. Found the the way to A-Life, eventually got there. And I was five foot five at the time and I bought every T in XL. So, <laughs> so I would grow into them. I remember the lady who worked there was like, you're not an XL. And I was like, I need these to last. <laughs> I just bought as many T's as I could. And like they did that for me, that was like such a cool thing to look at. And that's why now every customer involved thing we do it's like it's that same kid i was exactly that and it's the same thing with the guys who work with me at the or work for street x i've been an employee at retail i've been fired i've ripped people off like i've worked the afl store and i remember the boss being like i was there solo and he was like you needed size and rearrange the store and i was yeah i was like i'll trick him now i'll just get the smaller size and put it on the front of each rack and then just go back to facebook and I did that and I never got shifts again. So like I've been that slack worker. I've done all of that. And I've tried to weasel out of it and I've experienced that myself. Like I'm not old. So like if guys 
come and work for Street X and do the same thing. I'm like, oh, I know you're the exact type of person you are. I've been that Mm -hmm. and that's not what I want. Mm. Um, And it's like when I go to talk at the schools, it's the same thing. It's like I've been the kid who tries to weasel out of or cheat and like a uni, the same thing. I collaboratively learn and do all these things. The biggest takeaway every year you get older, I was like, man, school was the fucking best thing ever. When are you ever forced to be with a hundred people? Yeah, I know. Like I see fucking five people now probably. <laughs> and like I, the group chat is how I stay in contact with most of my friends. Do you reckon that when you see this stuff, cause you're like, obviously you look at it from the perspective of going like, I was that kid mm. and I'm not about to be fucking like fooled. Like, do you, do you look at any of the kids that suck and be like, you're probably the most like me? Mm. Cause they're the ones like, cause you were never going to be, I suppose you weren't doing jobs that you loved or, or anything no. like that, but it's probably a benefit that you weren't doing jobs that you love. No, but it's a, for me, the best way to like the best way of looking at it is a great way to weed people out because like, but you you're can, weeding out yourself. Yeah. But I was doing it. I was serving a purpose. So you can serve these kids better. I mean like, dude, you're doing a, You're being a fucking idiot. Don't work here. Go work somewhere else. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. Work somewhere else where you can be like, you can do what you want to do. Like I didn't play AFL, well, obviously as every young kid watched footy, it was just a means to an end while you're at university you're getting money so you can go out and do things. It was just a job to pay Yeah, and money. that's like for my business, I don't want people like that. No, I'm not, we don't at all have people like that using mm. that as an example. Yeah. Um, but the whole idea is like you should focus your time on what you want to do. So don't, like obviously you can't work your favorite job straight away. But my biggest thing I wish I could have had is had experience somewhere. Like I could never get jobs at a brand or I mean, there wasn't really any fucking brands that existed based in Perth where you can get real life experience like that. And that's the hard thing is like, I, even now I'm still learning. There's so much I don't know. And I know a very small bit, but there's so much more to learn. It also wasn't until later, uh, until later in life that I got a decent mentor when it came to that sort of thing. Mm. Like I was already into my corporate career before I found someone who gave me that kind of advice it would be much better if I was a 16-year-old, you know, coming out of school and someone was giving me that instead of mm. old mate at the fucking servo yeah. who wouldn't let me sit down between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m., you know? like It's interesting because it feels like you're sitting there with that and going like, yo, this is an opportunity, not a fucking job. Like yeah. you can really actually be a part of something here and if you're not going to be, just bounce because we put yeah. someone else in that, that wants I to be. Mean, Whereas at the AFL store, <laughs> I don't think the passion ran that deep. <laughs> <laughs> you have an opportunity at this AFL store in Karen No, nah, and I mean, that's what it is. That's the, that's the easy way mm. to summarize it with people. It's like, I mean, as hard as it is, you want to tell everyone, do what you want and, and do what you love. Obviously, there is an element of reality to that. You've mm. got to start somewhere and build your way up. But it's a great way to learn is working shit-ass jobs is a great way to learn. What you to you know want. what you don't want to do. Yeah. Because it's hard to know what you want to do. Like no one can fucking no. pretend they always knew what they wanted to do. You kind of, you start to go, I right, that would be cool. And then you maybe get an opportunity to do something a little bit like that. And then you're like, that's maybe a reality. But you have to do those things. That's the world we live in. You can't just... Don't do shit you hate because you'll end up fucking stuck doing shit but you, you hate. But there is, an, there is that point of life where like when you're starting, you have to do some things. Like, yeah, say if, to, to generate an income or to do certain things, you have, like I worked a, uh, a dishy and a waiter at a, at a cafe. Like uh, the best thing I could have ever done is get a job earlier mm. or move out of home earlier to get real life experience. The best thing I ever did is when we went away for Adam's wedding. 
and then you mm. <laughs> I'd, I'd moved out just before that and i just formative the, be, the best thing i wish i'd done earlier is i wish i'd got i started working when i was 15 but i wish i'd started as early as i can i wish i'd moved out of home as early as i can not because i had any problems at home just I had a, a baptism of fire yeah I had an amazing family life but the best way to grow up i think is to be to put yourself out there independence yeah. and that's that, that's what i think so many people do is people think they can just get any job they want like you, especially here it's like people yeah. feel quite entitled to that and like well, even when we get applicants applying for jobs, it's like you've got no experience i won't hire you mm. like i you've never you don't know what reality is and especially if you're not like it's so hard if you're not well no one at that age is well traveled and seen what it's like mm. to work like the best is is seeing guys who've worked all the shittest jobs and they know exactly what they want, but they're trying to work towards that. Mm. And, then and it's like, figure it out, like get creative. Well, we were saying, I said this in another podcast, like, I get so many fucking, in, so many emails from people being like, oh, this is my folio and this is my LinkedIn and this is my thing. Mm. It's like, I don't care. But if someone came up to me or found out where I was at and was like, look, I really, like when I met Rory, mm. Rory couldn't design, but he was, he knew that he wanted to. He had an idea. And he had it. He was a fan of it. And he was like, look at this book and look at this and look at this and look at this. It's like, I'll show you fucking anything that you mm. need to know. And then he runs off and does his thing, you know? Like, you want people that actually can show that they fucking, they're about it, you know? And then that's where time, the, the, the emphasis of putting time into it. Like, you can't just do it straight away. Mm. Like, you can't just learn to pia- play the piano. Like, that's something that this just has to take time and, mm-hmm. and effort to do. Embrace the suck. Yeah, mm. for real. All right, man. Thank you so much for fucking coming on. It was obviously something that we've been planning on for a while. Um, everyone knows the Instagram handles and whatnot. We do not need to shout you out too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, what is this? The day before New Year's Eve. No shit. Jeez. Maybe we'll put this out on New Year's Eve because no one's got fucking anything to do. Club good. Club good. Club good.